You reckon we can nail this first time this time? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Famous last words. Right, let's go. Here we come, blue and white, and we're looking good. You'll be in for a fight, and we fight pretty good. Getting goals is our job, and we get goals good. Looking good, we are Carlisle United. Hello everyone, you're listening to the Brunson Bugle, the number one place to get your Kyanite fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. And I'm Mike Dude. Unbeaten over the Easter period, but a win followed by a draw sees United pop into and then drop out the top three. We look back on the victory over Tranmere Rovers in the stalemate of Walsall before looking ahead to the massive game against Northampton Town this weekend. Yeah, mixed bag of a weekend, is it? wasn't it, Mike? I think it's fair to say. Yeah, that's one way of describing it, I think. Um, but it's still in our hands, you know, so let's not be too uh, too downbeat it, about it, it. It's kind of weird, though, because it's kind of not because of the games in handy. It just, it's such a confusing situation. We can get ahead of Northampton, but Bradford can also get ahead of us at the same mm. time. So it, it, it kind of just it complicates things, I think it's fair to say. But, I mean, look, I think most of us, if you'd gone back a few months and said you'll get four points and not concede any goals over the Easter weekend, we probably would have gone, yeah, that, that'll do. Yeah, I think if we beat Northampton, the draw at Walsall sandwiched in between two wins looks looks all right. Yeah, and then obviously we've got the, the massive game in midweek next week. We're not previewing today, are we? We're no. going to say that because we thought at the business end of the season, you really need to be previewing every single game and, and the context of that Stockport game completely changes depending on what happens this weekend, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> plus as well, I think if we were to review two games and preview two games, it'd be a very long ah, I mean, last week's was ridiculous. I do apologise. Yeah. I, I, I kind of lost track. I'm, I'm trying to keep an eye on time. It's something we're going to look at next season, how we can maybe tighten these up a little bit. I know a lot of people do like them quite long, but I think sometimes when we get to sort of the, the hour and a half mark, it's, it's like, okay, this is getting a little bit silly. And we don't want to trim down the away fan chats because I think they're really useful. They're really interesting. But uh, but there you go. Anyway, let's get into it, Mike. We've got a bit of news to cover and uh, all the usual stuff. Um, first up, uh, we, as usual, we tell you who's sponsoring the podcast this season. You should all know that by now, really, if you're regular listeners. As well as that, you should also know by now where you can subscribe to the podcast and how to get in contact with us. We'd like to say a big thank you to the Carl United Sports Club London Branch for once again sponsoring the podcast this season. The London Branch is open to all Cal United fans. They've got members from Cornwall to Dundee and Houston to Singapore and, of course, every part of London and the South East. They regularly meet up on away trips as well as arranging many social events, sporters' games and fundraising for the club. This season, they'll be providing us with information for the away games as part of the preview section. You can find out more about the London Branch at their website, carlislelondonbranch.org. If you haven't already... Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on all good podcast apps, whether it's Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts. Basically, search for the Brunton Bugle, click subscribe, and then when a new episode comes out, you'll get a little notification to tell you to download it and listen to it at your leisure. Also, if there's an option to review on any of those apps, please do so. If you can give us a five-star review, that'd be really lovely. It's a great way for us to get the message out about the podcast and so more people can learn about it. And uh, yeah, we can spread the word even more. You can also find us on social media, at Brunton Bugle, on Instagram and Twitter. If you go onto Facebook and search for the Brunton Bugle, click like as well. You can follow our page. Uh, we're also on the Be Just On Fear Not Facebook group and also on the Buzzies Back message board, the new message board that's replaced the Cumberlands.net. Uh, and also, if you want to drop us an email, Bugle at gmail.com. Right, Mike, let's get into it. First bit up is the news section. There's only one real bit of news to cover here, uh, and that's... Um, it's some awards and nominations and top 50 lists for 
United, isn't it? So, um, mm. yeah, we're, we're closing on what I think you would call is the award season, isn't it, really, for football? Um, and United have seen a couple of bits of recognition in two areas already, haven't they? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Obviously, Simo uh, nominated for manager of the season. Uh, yeah. When even is the sort of, uh, you know, when's it done? I feel like the ceremony is the week before the... Um, the week before the last last game of the season, I think. Because for me, you know, I managers are judged on promotions and stuff like that. And yeah, it's hard sometimes. to to do it before the end of the season. Yeah, interesting to see what happens. But yeah, so basically, as you say, uh, the EFL have uh, published their official shortlist for their end of season awards, and uh, they've announced that in League Two, Paul Simpson is one of the three people up for the Manager of the Year award. Um, the other two are Richie Wellens at Salford City and Steve Evans at Stevenage. I don't think. I suppose John Brady might feel a bit hard done by having kept Northampton in the top three for pretty much the whole campaign. He might look and think that's a bit off. Um, and I think possibly Dave Challenger might look at the job he's done and, you know, getting Stockport off the table after a tough start, maybe be a bit disappointed. But I think it's sort of the context of the three managers that are up for it, isn't it? They've, they've all come from quite similar backgrounds in the sense that they took over teams struggling last season and have taken them up to the top of the table, haven't they? Yeah, definitely. Whereas Northampton were kind of expected to do pretty well yeah. this season. Yeah. So it's yeah, the context is a bit different. And I think Stockport as well with the with the resources they've got. And that's you know, that's not to slight the job that Charles has done there, but mm. they were hundred percent expected to be right up there. And actually the fact that they've only just got up there now is kind of a bit like oh about time really, wasn't it really? So, <laughs> so there you go. So yeah, so Simmer is up for the uh manager of the year award. Um Owen Moxon, we all thought, oh, he must be a you know a, a decent contender to win to win the Player of the Season award. He's not in the three shortlisted for it, is he? Mm-hmm. So the three shortlisted for League Two Player of the Year are um, Andy Cook at Bradford, which we, you know it's not really a massive surprise that is it. You know, top goal scoring, he's having yeah. a, an amazing season. We can we, you can understand that. Sam Hoskins at Northampton again, he's having a great season. Dipped off a little bit, though, I think, is it fair to say? He's not mm. really sort of hit his peak at around about Christmas and he's not really hit the same again. And Carl Piergiani at Stevenage. Again, another one that if, if you follow most Stevenage fans on Twitter, they're all a bit like, he's not been that good in the last few months. So it's kind of a surprise. I mean, there's an argument Moxon hasn't been good over the last month or so, but yeah, up until true. that point, he's been excellent, hasn't he? So mm. bit a bit of a, you know, bit of an unlucky one there for Owen. But... Hot on the heels of that, four four two have published their EFL top fifty players uh, list, their annual list that they do, and uh, Owen Moxon is in the top fifty, isn't he? Yeah, because uh, I think it, this is done by fans, isn't it? Well, it is fans. because we took part in this, yeah, didn't we? Yeah. So, so basically, what four four two do? They go around a, a podcast or a website or a fanzine or a forum for each club. Now, it used to be the Cumberlands.net forum. It was Dan that would arrange this. Obviously, with the Cumberlands.net forum now closing down, um, the the mantle's moved from that to the Brunton Bugle now. So, um, collectively, between the three of us, we had a little chat, didn't we, basically? Because what they Mm. do, they say to you, can you give us your top five players, one to five, in in League Two for this season? Um, But can you not include any of your own players? Yes. Fair enough, because every club would put their own players in, would they really? So, not really a surprise. So, yeah, basically what we did is um, we had a little chat, didn't we, in our little uh, um, WhatsApp group we've got. Mm. 
And I think it was fairly straightforward picking the five, wasn't it? Three of them at the very least weren't that difficult yeah. to pick, were they? So I'm just getting the list up here because I sent it to John Coleman earlier today because he was asking me about it, basically. So um, number one, <laughs> having, having said what we did, because we actually came back with this about probably two months ago now. Cause they did yeah, quite it was early. a while ago. Carl Piergiani at Stevenage was number one for us. I can't remember if this was actually a one to five or just name you five. I think it was one to five, I reckon it. Carl Piergiani at Stevenage was number one. Number two, Lawrence Vigoru, <laughs> Orient. So we, you know, we've raved about for years. Number three, Sam Hoskins at Northampton. So I can't really grumble about him being in that list now, really, can I? Uh, number four is uh, Kyle Wooten at Stockport. And number five is uh, Theo Archibald at Orient. We didn't put Andy Cook in because he's kind of like, he hadn't quite hit his heights, I think, at that point. You know, he's had this phenomenal couple yeah. of months, hasn't he? It's so, like, yeah, it's like basically ever since we did that, He's been scoring goals for Despite fun. us almost, isn't yeah. it? And not that he knew who we listed, yeah. I think Wotton was the one we weren't... We almost went for Will Collar, didn't we? I think we were sort of... Yeah, well, I think Wotton was sort of the opposite of Andy Cook, really. Wotton was in really good form yeah. around the time that we had to pick. So, hmm. yeah, it's one of them. It's typical, isn't it? Um, yeah, so uh, Owen Rocks is 40th in the... Uh, top 50 EFL plays. He's the second highest League 2 player. So the best League 2 player this season, according to 442, is Sam Hoskins. Um, there are a few, there's four more uh, League 2 plays that um, Moxon finished ahead of. Um, and that's Andy Cook, I think, just slipped into the top 50. Uh, Paul Smith at Leighton Orient. Will Collar from uh, Stockport. And of course, Lawrence Vigaru, the Orient goalkeeper. So well done Owen in terms of getting top 50. I mean, it's a, it's a bit of a shame really he's not in the uh, the EFL nominations, but there you go. Mm. Um on to uh, another one. So the League 2 Young Player of the Year Award, United didn't get any nominations in this. And having thought about it, I mean, I think Finn Back would have been a decent contender if he'd been able to stay fit, which, you know, sadly we know he, those hamstrings just haven't been able to hold up, have they? Um, Jack Armour, surely you can feel a bit hard done by him, Mike, I? You'd think so, yeah. I don't know what more he could have done this season to to push his way in. I mean, but you've also got to bear in mind as well, though, that there's team of the season at the end of the season. So Moxon players might get recognition through that I, as I well. Mean, there's no way Moxon is not in that team. And if he's not, yeah. there is something seriously wrong. I mean, I think there's a strong argument that Paul Huntington should be in there now, actually, to be honest, the mm-hmm. way he's played recently, especially. But um, but yeah, Jack Armour, not in there. The three players are um, uh, Junior, oh, I can't pronounce his name, uh, Trementian, or whatever you call him, from um, Colchester. Um uh, Jacob Wakeling from um, Swindon Town. And then those two have had decent seasons, to be fair. The one that surprised me is Jaden Sweeney from Leighton Orient. He's played half as many games. He's a left-back as well. He's mm. played half as many games as uh, Jack Armour. He's only got one assist to Jack Armour's six. Mm. Armour's obviously chipped in with a goal as well. Or two goals, in fact. I just like... I'm... I don't get how he, what, what more he could do. He's the same age as Sweeney as well. I mm. wonder if it's almost people think he's a bit older than he is. Well, yeah, I, mean, I, I know, think it might be I know people, people look at his age and you know, they'll know. They'll have a list of all mm. the players. But for me, he, he should have been on there, personally. But but maybe he just gets a bit unheralded for all the work he's done. But there you go. So, Jack, you're probably going to win our Young Player of the Year award on the podcast, I, I think it's fair to say. So, uh, But we'll see, obviously, once we get to the um, to the later point. Anyway, but there you go. Um, right. Low watch time. Um, well, Max and Annan start there as usual, and it just keeps going and going, doesn't it? For them, fantastic yeah. that run they're having. Really, really great season, isn't it? Because you know, own well, earlier in the season they were sort of floating relegation, people talking about Murph maybe getting sat there, and mm. obviously that, that kind of happens a lot at that level where teams do 
go up and down because they're not very big leagues. But yeah, just a great season for them and a great season for him as well. Yeah, so uh, they're, they're they're keeping themselves in those Scottish League two players. It's very tight. There's like three or four teams that are only three points between them, and it's you know because it's quite a tight league anyway because it's only small. Um, but they beat Dumbarton, who was second place, three one at home at the weekend, uh, and that's a huge dent to Dumbarton's title hopes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so um, they were the only side at the weekend though, other than bottom of the table, Albion Rovers, to win. So a brilliant weekend to actually get a victory. To be fair. Uh, that actually was Max's 30th appearance of the season for Anon. So really, mm. really good there. I mean, he's, he's probably going to end with pushing on towards, you know, 35 appearances if they can get into the playoffs, 36 yeah, possibly, yeah. weren't they? So brilliant, brilliant first season for Max. And like I said, we really hope he gets a deal for next season because it'd be nice to see how he does with us as well. Um, yeah, definitely. Good, good offer, you know, a bit of competition for Mellish and for... Um, for armor as well down the side, you know, possibly, yeah. you know, you never know with these things, do you? Um, up next for the uh, Galabanks is the home tight against the bottom side Albion Rovers, so that's one they'd probably be hoping to get a, a result in, wouldn't they? So, so there yeah. you go. Uh, Lewis Bell and Gretna, 2008, uh, oh, doesn't really get any better for them. Third consecutive 3 0 defeat, this time they lost at Galaferi Dean, and that result confirms they'll finish third bottom this season. Um, it was another full 90 minutes for, for Lewis. Um, there's only two league games remaining for them now, the first of which is a home game against Cumbernauld Colts this weekend. Uh, Sam Fishburne, though, a much better weekend for him and Morpeth Town, wasn't it? Because yeah. they were looking in real danger of possibly dropping into the... I, I thought they were clear relegation. I actually looked at the table again, and they really are in potential trouble. But they got a couple of fantastic results. Um, he got a nearly full 90 minutes in both games. He got subbed on in the 88th minute in the first game where he scored a great solo goal, running basically running with the defender and holding him off on a counter-attack and firing a pass to the keeper um, in a 2-1 win at Hyde United. And Hyde United are just outside the playoffs in the Northern Premier League Premier Division. So that's a really big result for them. And then they got a 1-1 home draw against their fellow struggles, Mask United, who are just one place behind them, albeit with a game in hand. Um, so yeah, that, that puts a bit of... Not a bad position, really. I think this weekend they've got a trip to Belpertown. Belpertown are already relegating their bottom of the league. So that's probably one they're looking at. I think, right, get a result here. More or less safe, basically. You know, They put themselves in a good position to be to, to survive. Um, so, yeah, good stuff for Sam. That's it. 25 appearances now and five goals in his spell with uh, Morpeth. Um, Kai Nugent, what a great weekend for him and working to, wasn't it? Mm. I mean, fantastic. Um, they officially secured their playoff place uh, for the end of the campaign. First up, a 5-0 win over Witten Albion at Borough Park, which we'll talk about a bit more in the X-Files section later. Um, and Kai got his first goal for it. It was a nice, if you haven't seen it, it's a nicely taken volley. It does take a deflection when it goes into the next fair that wrong foot's keeper, but really good technique to strike it. Um, and then uh, it was followed by a 3-1 win at Kidsgrove Athletic. I think he was subbed in the second half against Kidsgrove, but I'm pretty sure he played the full 90 against uh, Witten. But yeah, fantastic stuff. Um, two games left for them as well. Uh, they start with uh, this weekend's trip to 1874 Northwich and then a home game against Cole. And I think, because I don't think either of them are in play of contention, I think they've got a good chance of finishing second, which would secure them the home tie in the semi-final, but also the home tie in the final of the playoffs which is a big, big thing, because obviously they're only one-legged playoffs in non-league, aren't they? So hmm. it'd be great if they could do that. Um, so yeah, 10 appearances and one goal so far for for Kai Etta Workington. Um, Dan Hill, a uh, uh, mixed weekend for Dan and Cleetsmoor. They picked up a point in South Liverpool uh, before they were defeated 3-1 at Runcorn Town. 
And that result consigns them to relegation and uh, bottom of the table finish, basically. Uh, Dan played the full 19 in both games. Uh, they've got a double header before the weekend. They face Hulk Roll Boys on Thursday evening before a trip to Garstang at the weekend, which is the final game of the season. So, uh, yeah, not great stuff for Clayton Moore, but it's good experience for Dan. You know, he's getting game time. That's the important thing. Yeah. So there you go. Right then, Mike, uh, on to match review time. Two games to cover. Let's start off with the uh, the, the big game at Brunton Park. Cali United 2, Tranmere Rovers 0. Uh, pretty comfortable, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, I think the early goal really helped us uh, yeah. settle our nerves. Um, and great crowd as well, fantastic crowd. Yeah, we'll talk about the crowd in, in a bit more detail later. But yeah, it was it was fantastic, wasn't it? Yeah, in terms of that, um, really gave the, the, the team quite a lift. Um, for this one... Um, I've just realised I didn't write down the details of the team selection for this one, but I'm pretty sure it was three changes, wasn't there, I think, from the uh, from the game against uh, Orient, which obviously saw um, uh, Barkley coming in for Feeney, Ellis coming in for Back, and then uh, I'm pretty sure Dennis came in for Garner in this one. I, might, I, might be right I think on this so. One. That rings the bell. But anyway, yeah, so, you know, solid changes. I don't think anyone really grumbled about the team when it was announced, did they? I think most people expected Ellis to start, I think. Yeah. Um, subs as well. Pretty happy with who was selected there. Um, and yeah, as you mentioned, Mike, it's just a brilliant start in terms of couldn't have asked for much more. I mean, I'm going to say one thing: why on earth is another team playing out from the back against us all the time? Oh, no. I can grasp you doing it a little bit, but every single time it was just ridiculous. Yeah, and the players were clearly not comfortable, especially their keeper. They were not comfortable playing it out from the back and. You know, it, it was us putting them under pressure that ultimately got us got us well both of our goals. I think it was both the keeper and Turnbull. Turnbull did mm. not look at. I mean, Turnbull's one I've, I've never been that hundred percent convinced by. I know he's he's been at a few bigger clubs, doesn't he? I think, but it's it's never one that's really sold on me. But he he basically it was a uh, Patrick sort of poked and won the ball, didn't he? I think I was in Moxon maybe, and it came to Turnbull on the edge of the box, and instead of putting it into a position where maybe. Uh, What's his name? The keeper. Sorry, I've got to check his name. Out. Hewelt. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that he could maybe you know boot it out of his left foot or something out of play or something like that, or even like put it across and you know maybe play it across goal the other way. He put it right into his right foot, didn't he? Mm. It was a horrible pass back to him, and I can. But he still could have just shanked it out. Like, he do you could, know what I mean? But if their philosophy is to pass it out, then yeah, yeah, you should be put in a position where he can control it with his left and then maybe try and pass it with that, or even then shank it out of his left, even. With his right foot, that was going to be an awkward shank out. I know Holy did actually a very good one in the second half where he side footed out between two defenders, didn't attackers, mm. which was really smart thinking. But yeah, just ridiculous. And you know, Hewitt basically plays the ball straight to Patrick, sets himself, gets into the box, and uh, Dennis is not going to have an easier finish all season. I can only think of the goal at Salford that was as easy as that. You'd say. Mm. Basically yeah. tap in from he, he literally just stood still, didn't he, on the on the six yard box, waiting for the ball to come and side foot in. Yeah, but I mean, it's brilliant awareness from Patrick to know that he was going to be there as well, yeah. and I think you get that because Dennis and Patrick have played quite a lot of games together now. Mm. Yeah, definitely, and I, 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 he almost seemed embarrassed to celebrate, didn't he? <laughs> Dennis is like, I, I can't be celebrating that. That's far too easy of a goal. Mm. Um, uh, the second goal though was much much better, wasn't it? Really, in terms of yeah. uh, quality, a bit more challenging. So you know, good little bit of link up play between Ellis and Patrick down the right. Play back to Moxon, sets himself, great cross to the far post. And a bit rare for him at the moment because his deliveries are a little bit off, but it was a brilliant ball in. 
Armadus fantastically to, to get in the back post and get above his man, nod it down. And then Dennis is just Johnny on the spot, isn't he? Ahead of his man, yeah. fires into the roof of the net and 2-0. And that, that was game over that point, really, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, to be fair, you know, while we're moaning about Tranmere playing out from the back, they did have a couple of sort of decent little passing moves, but there was mm. just nothing in, in the final third. They never really looked like getting back into the game at all. Mike, look at this. Look at the stats, right? For them, I know sixty-three okay. percent possession. But no, the, the the bottom one, pass success. Oh yeah, seventy-nine percent. I think that's mm. the highest of any team against us this season. Mm. But when can you think of Holy having something to do in the game? Yeah, exactly. I'd, I'd be fuming, mm. absolutely fuming, if I was the um, they were the Tranmere fan at watching that. It just, I just come. Not nothing at all in the attack. Mm. They offered nothing. It was embarrassing at times. I mean, in terms of other major, I mean, first half we could have had four or five. Really, I, I didn't even sort of think about it until I got home and watched like the highlights. It was ridiculous how many chances we had. I mean, there's one that you mentioned that that Dennis snapshot. We were right behind that, and that just bent at the last second, didn't it? So it was, yeah, it maybe just came off the post a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I, I, but at, at the same time, I think we didn't really get out of third gear for it, and we didn't no. need to. We didn't get out of really third gear in the first half, definitely. I mean, we, we, we despite that, we, we dominate chances. They had one chance with Hawks sort of dragged it wide from long range. But, I mean, there was, um, yeah, there was another one where Patrick ran into the area and beat a few men and had a low shot where I think he really wanted to get into the far corner, but he just couldn't get out of his feet. It was a good save from the keeper as well, to be yeah. fair. That. Yeah, it was a decent save, that one. And there was another one, the, the, the one where Patrick was clean through on goal as well. And... That's when the keeper actually did really well and came out quickly. But mm. Patrick there again, he set himself and you knew what he was going to do, but it's like, you've got to play this shot a bit earlier. He mm. left it just that second too late and gave the keeper a chance to block it. And then Dennis had want to clear off the line as well. I mean, and also, also the one where the keeper hit the ball straight at him and he just couldn't quite get him, you know, he controlled it, but he couldn't really do more than slide a shot in, could he really? Mm. Straight at the keeper. So, yeah, it, it it was like one of those ones you go into half time, you think to yourself, oh God, if we'd been four or five up here, Tramway would have had no complaints. You'd expect them to come out a bit stronger second half, and they were slightly better Tramway, but, uh, I mean, yeah, from a very low base. And the truth is, we did not get out of second gear second half. We just, yeah. we didn't exert ourselves any more than we needed to, which was really good game management, to be fair. I mean, there was a couple of chances for Devitt from the edge of the box, one that went wide and one was straight at the keeper. There was the... The one where Armour did really well on the overlap and played a low ball in that Dennis was sliding to come to and the keeper actually did actually quite well, didn't he, to, to get it clear. Yeah, I have to say as well, I think um, Simo must have been listening to uh, last week's podcast because what I was saying about you need one midfielder to sit in front of the defence and the other two mm. to get forward more, that's exactly how we played. And and second half, I think Guy came off and it was it was Moxon who was sitting, yeah. which, you know, because I said you'd like to see him get further forward, but I don't mind that. I think when the players have clear roles, and it was Devitt, like you said before, yeah. Devitt re- getting forward and causing problems, he looks really, really good. Yeah. Uh, Ellis did have a chance as well. He was played through on goal. Lovely little free ball from Moxon for that one. I do look back at anything to myself. Mm, should he have played a low ball across for Dennis for the top in? It would have been tight because I think the defender might have got to it, but... He went I think shot. it's one of them. He's a young lad in front of the Warwick yeah. Road and we're already winning comfortably. I think he yeah. just saw his name on the back page of the News and Star. Yeah, probably did, didn't he? And there was a couple of chances for Tramir. One for Mumbongo uh, that um, was straight at Holy fairly easy. And then there was another one for uh, Chalmers. 
he sort of flicked the ball past the far post very late on, and that was it, really, wasn't it? There was there wasn't a huge amount of shout about for for Tranmere, and um, and yeah, we were all went home pretty happy at the end of it. Um, right, should we have a six second review, Mike? Yeah, Re- go on. Regan's done as one. Well. I wonder what he'll be saying at the end of this one. <laughs> yeah, what a day down Brunton Park! Um, unbelievable crowds. I always feel like a conspiracy theorist, but it felt like there was a lot more than there was. I don't know how you'd get another kind of like four and a half thousand, and I guess it's three thousand if you, if the away end's full, but it seemed like there was a lot more there. But brilliant day. We went down to the fan zone and stuff before, and it was just class to see. So hopefully there's a lot more of that to come from the club. Um, the game itself was pretty pretty easy, to be honest. Like, Trammy and knocked it around a bit and... But I've said it before, like they're just one of them League Two sides where it's just possession for the sake of it. They weren't really going anywhere, and the and the times that they get up to uh, Kane Hemmings, they looked like they were going to threaten. And I thought in the second half they were going to get back into it, but they just didn't really create anything. Um, obviously, guy coming off. Hopefully, it's not too bad. Um, but I don't think there was any need to keep him on. Really, the game was won. It didn't look like they were going to get anywhere near in. It was. Um, so yeah, class day and shagger shag, and it's as simple as that. Up the blues. <laughs> well, we were waiting for that, weren't we? There you go. Thank yeah. you very much, Regan. For, yeah, pretty comprehensive report on that, wasn't it? Really, I think. And yeah, the guy bit was probably the only one, one little worry in the game, wasn't it? When he came off at half time, but obviously it turned out he was fine. He played it at Walsall, came off again in that game, but I think that was just a case of trying to freshen things up a little bit, wasn't it? Really, with yeah. them being down to 10 men as well. So, uh, so yeah, no, it, it's just. just yeah, all around a good day, really. And, you know, Tranmere are probably the, the most toothless side I've seen this season. And I, you know, I include the likes of Hartlepool and um, Rothschild there. They offered much more threat than, than Tranmere ever did, didn't they, in those games? Mm. So Tranmere probably just lucky that, you know, Mickey Mellon did such a great job with such a, a poor-looking set of players, really, doesn't it, really, in a, in a strange set of circumstances. Um, mm. Talking points, let's just do a few before we move on to the Walsall game, Mike. Uh, yeah, Dennis the Menace back in action, wasn't he, for this one? And, you know, he's had his little spell out the team. Apparently, he wasn't very happy about that, he says. You know, in a good way. You know, you want players to be mm. happy when they're out the team. And so we just wanted to refresh him. And I think we probably saw the benefit of that in this game, didn't we? Because not not even just his goal. His all-round play was very good. And actually, his all-round play against Walsall was quite good as well, even though he didn't really have any clear-cut goal-scoring chances. He, his involvement in the game was decent, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. And as well, you know, I touched on it before, but his understanding with Patrick and Patrick, you know, was pressing them like there was no tomorrow. And they just, you know, their defenders did not have a second on the ball to to think. And both of them, they just seem to have that understanding a little bit where they know where each other are going to be. And they look like a, a really good strike partnership. Yeah, yeah, this game definitely, especially, I think Patrick looked, you know, I think you said he thrives on big crowds, didn't you? And I think you yeah. saw the benefit of that in this game. You know, you could really see he was really, you know, getting up. When he when he got the ball on attack, you could see him really, he lifted him a lot, didn't it? Yeah, well, um, the, the Tranmere fans I was speaking to on the train on the way home as well yeah. said that they thought Patrick was like our best player, which, yeah, you know, it, it is interesting, you know, because, I mean, for me, I mean, no one really played badly, but I would have sort of said Dennis and Barkley as well. He was outstanding. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting sometimes how the opposition fans it. I do, I do wonder if that's a little bit of an overhang from last season and the game down there because he was excellent against them there as well, wasn't he? That's maybe, awesome. maybe mm. come from that possibly. Um, Barkley bonus. This was enjoyable, wasn't it? Uh, ben mm. Barkley. He's been. A, he's had to come in and out of the team all season. He's had to wait his time quite often. Um, 
but he's come in now and he's probably, bar the Stockport game, going to start all the remaining games as the right side of centre back. And he got man of the match, didn't he, from the uh, from the club for this one? And yeah, it's hard to describe it because actually I thought second. Do you think maybe you'd give it to Dennis? You know, two goals and possibly you know three three other good chances where he, he did well, but. I thought, especially second half against Mumbongo, who looked a big threat. You know, he, he had a bit of pace mm. about him. He could get a belt. I thought he had an excellent game. He dealt with him so yeah. well. I, I, I don't know what your thoughts were on him. No, definitely, he was he was fantastic. And because we both sort of said, oh, maybe play Whelan because Whelan, you know, can play against Stockport, whereas Barkley can't. But I think, plain and simply, Barkley is a better defender, and yeah. you want to be playing your best players in this running. Um, and he, he plays it out from the back well. Um, he's he's yeah. one of them players who seems to have more time on the ball than he does sometimes yeah. Um, but yeah just uh, a, a good player and, and for me as well because you, you'd maybe be thinking oh well maybe you kind of want Stockport to go up as well but there's absolutely no doubt in his commitment to getting us up this season no yeah. doubt at all yeah definitely absolutely um, yeah Jack Ellis had a great game as well didn't he which, yeah, uh, the, the the impending sense of doom in the way I say that isn't there really when we got into the Walsall game, mm. really? but you know, you know, throwing him straight back into the start eleven, having been out for so you know what since what he came back briefly, didn't he, in February, whatever it was, and mm. fantastic, what a great game he had as well. He getting played a part in both goals as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, you can just. I think he's going to have a really big future in the game. I really, really do, and I hope we can get him tied down a bit longer. Actually, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he goes in the summer. I think we've I'd, seen it before where players play 10, 20 games and then big clubs just swoop in. I don't think he's quite there yet. Cause I've, partly because I don't think we 100% know his best position yet. He may mm. well end up being one of those centre-backs, but you, you never know. Um, finally, before we wrap up this bit, Mike, and we've just got to sum it up. You know what? What do people always say? You know when when you know you get a five figure crowd. Yeah, we always, we always fail to do it against the big crowds. <laughs> yeah, in that, in that voice, voice as well. Yeah, in that yeah. voice as well. Let's get a line. Let's let's put that line in the bin now. Yeah, you know, like because last few times we've done it. Take away the MK Donson, we've actually played really well. But not not just not just you know at home, but we've had some really big away followings that mm. we've turned up for as well this season. Yeah. Absolutely. 13,000 including, I've got to say, very impressive 700 from Tranmere, you know. Yeah. You probably arguably the noisiest fans we've had this season, which mm. when you consider how crap they were, it's, mm. it's a, a terrific effort really. And, you know, I, I hope they can sort themselves out soon. Cause and, and as well, you know, the, none of their fans have Carlisle as a novelty ground for them. <laughs> They'll have all been many times oh, no, before. They have, and, and the amount of Tranmere fans I'll see online saying they'll be gutted if we go up because it's their favourite away day of the season because mm. it's great pubs, easy ground to get to, you know, you can do it on the train. No problem, as we know, coming up most weeks. Mm. So yeah, it, it's yeah, you know, it's our third that that attendance is our third highest uh, ever at, th- at fourth tier level. Mm. Didn't quite beat the uh, Torquay game. I think it missed out by about twenty, didn't it? Something mm. about fourth. I was either twenty or forty. I think it missed out by a bit being the, the second biggest. It was never going to get the biggest, which was the game against Workington in the sixties, uh, which is like sixteen thousand odd. But yeah, fantastic, and I just really if. if if you happen to be one of those people who went and is listening to this, you don't go normally. Get yourself down for these last three games, yeah, because they're going to really need us to get behind them now. Because it's you know we'll, we'll say it in the previous section, got five big cup finals coming up basically, and that's definitely what we, need. we need performances in those games to, to yeah. get us away from there. Uh, the, there some... is one more talking point that you haven't put down. Go on, the Paul Huntington tackle. Oh my word! You know what? I haven't put it down because I look through the extended highlights and the extended highlights disgustingly do not show that. Mm. Um, 
possibly because maybe they have an 18, uh, like 15 certificate on them or something, <laughs> and you, you know, you don't allow that. But I mean, so this was a wonderful moment. So this is basically a moment where a, a loose a ball comes loose, and the Tranmere lad, um, was it uh, what's his name? I can't remember the name of the lad. He had to come off not long after, didn't he? Um, let me dig I his can't name. Remember it was. Um, I think it was the number six. So I'm just loading up the match report, which I've got here somewhere. So. Uh, uh, oh, Chris Merry. Yes, Chris Merry, the number six. The ball comes, and it's probably, I don't know how far away would you say it was from him. Maybe five or six yards, maybe a little bit more. I'd yeah. say the tackle was probably about 70, 30. Not, it, it was you right, know, in it, it, the Tranmere player's yeah, favour. Because people were saying it's 50 50. It was not 50 50. Paul Huntington's not even in shot on <laughs> the um, um, on, on the camera when, you, when, the, when he first comes up. And so basically, the Tranmere lad because he suddenly turns and sees it. Paul Huntington straight away sees the ball's coming out. So I don't think it's a case of the Tranmere player not reacting quickly. I think he reacted as quickly as he could, even though he was nearest. Mm. And the two of them, right, right, we're going for this ball, and they go in. And fair play, neither of them pulled out, and neither mm. of them made a meal of it. Because the Tranmere lad could have easily thrown him himself about and mm. made out he was bad injured, which he probably was injured because he had to come off. Um, and yeah, Huntington won it, and the cheer when that went up, and the celebration he did as well. That showed that yes, the big crowd's behind us. So fantastic! Yeah. Thank you for reminding me of that because I, I <laughs> just I don't know, just the excitement, you know, because it's two games ago now. I'd completely mm. forgotten about it, but there you go. Right, let's move on to the Easter Monday game then, Mike. Uh, Walsall nil, Cal United nil, seventh nil nil draw of the season in the league. That's a little bit frustrating, that isn't it? Really, when you think if you only have to nick one of those one nil, mm. and we're up in second place right now, off yeah, place. yeah. That's, no, that's it is doubt. frustrating, but you know, draw your away games and win your home games, and you'll be up there. But yeah, I, I mean, this one was was there for the taking, really. Yeah. Just just for reference, the the games we drawn nil nil this season, Mansfield away, a game where we probably could have nicked it. Actually, I think we were probably marginally mm. the better side. Uh, the Crew home game, which wasn't a great game of football, I don't think either team was particularly great in that. Um, the home game against Walsall, again, not a great game of football that either team really deserved to win. Um, oh, I've them written down before. Sorry, I've lost these all now. Um, there's the Bradford game, the Stevenage game. How am I up to now? I'm up to four. Wimbledon away. Wimbledon away. Again, fairly equal game. Mm-hmm. Walsall one, and there's another one I've completely missed out, which is somewhere in there, I think. Um, no, can't remember. We'll just have to. Someone will probably remind us. But yeah, so basically, it's not. You don't look at those games and think actually, in most of them, all, we've really badly missed out there, do you? Mm-hmm. Other than. Other than maybe that Mansfield game and maybe Stevenage, we probably could have nicked. But the, these ones, got, I mean, even this one, even though we'd then been down to 10 men for half an hour, it, it was a fairly balanced game, wasn't it? I think it's fair to say. Mm. Yeah, it was. Um, but I think perversely, you know, and it's we'll go into more detail, I think it's one of them games where the red card actually did the opposite of help us, I think. Because Walsall maybe wanted to win it before the red card, but once the red card happened, they just... We're going to cling on to a point with with the lives, basically. I, I think cling on to a point is a little bit harsh there because I think what they did is they played very smart in it and they didn't take too many risks in open play, but they made sure they got as many throw-ins, as many corners, and free kicks as they could because they realised that actually they're fair, you know with someone like Manny Monte in there, that, you know, and even you know Jamil Matt for the brief period he was still on after that. They've got some big lads in there who can cause problems, and actually a few of the set pieces that we dealt with them all right in the end, to be fair. But they mm. they, they 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 played it quite intelligently. I think it's fair to say they they were very streetwise. They were a much better side than Tranmere, 
Mm. Let me say that. A much bigger t- test than Tranmere from pretty much from the kickoff. They had a, a chance, didn't they? <laughs> so, you know, mm. straight away, you're like, all right, that's more than Tranmere managed for most of the game, really, at the, mm. at the week on the Friday. So, so yeah, it, it, it was kind of... It's kind of one of those ones you look back and you think... You probably will think at the end of the season, it's going to be one or two things either. That was a massive point, actually. We didn't do anything stupid. We didn't concede a goal. We got a point. Great. That's helped us towards going up. But then you might look back and think, if you miss out by a point, like, oh, we really yeah. should have taken some of those chances later on, shouldn't we? Yeah. Uh, it's it's one of them, isn't it? But I think, I, think, I feel as well, you know, we should have played the ball around a bit more with the red card. We tried to sort of lump it over the defence. And the thing is, when, when a team's had a player sent off, they still have the same number of defenders, really, because I think they took off Matt for Riley, yeah. I think. Because it's interesting, because we, we actually kept um, Patrick on for quite a bit after the red mm. card, didn't we? When you look back at it, he was still on for another 12 minutes. And I wonder if maybe if the red card hadn't happened, he might have come off a few minutes earlier, like a few minutes after when the red card was given. Because mm. he, was, he wasn't he was really getting to the game. And I think Simmer thought, right, down to 10 men, this is maybe a chance to get him going. Mm. Um, in terms of team selection for this one, going, just going back to the start on it, um, no real massive shock that there was no changes. The only real concern was Guy with him coming off, obviously, the weekend, um, Friday, sorry. But uh, as it turns out, he was fit enough to play, wasn't he? So... No, no major surprise. Um, yeah, in terms of chances, first half actually, when you look at it, we didn't really, we didn't really threaten them a huge amount, did we? Um, mm. They had a few chances that early volley from Wilkinson that went a mile wide. To be fair, um, there was uh, a couple of saves for Holy to make. One from the free kick, which when I watched it back in the extended highlights, they made out as if you know, yeah, I suppose it does look like a bit of a spill, but that doesn't really give the perspective behind goal, does it? No, it kind of, he couldn't really see it. To yeah. be honest, so he actually did well to palm it away from the attacker, really. And as well with the state of that goal mouth, you know, you, oh. you, you're going to struggle to catch it, but the yeah. ball could go anywhere when it hits the yeah. ground. So I mean, most most of the pitch was okay, but the goal mouths were absolutely poor. Like it was just a sand pit, basically, wasn't it? So mm-hmm. he did the right thing and just, you know, when he was bouncing that right in front of you, just palm it away and he and got it away from danger. Um, yeah, and it, in terms of the other things, we've. There's only one real major incident for us in the first half, and that is the penalty shot. Yes, which, having seen it again on um, Pitch Side Blues, it was a stonewaller for me. Yeah. I mean, I can get why people maybe are not sure when they watch the, the normal highlights, because it's slightly out of shot, the initial contact. Mm. But what, what happens is Dennis clips the ball over, and Albert does brilliantly to get ahead of Tom Knowles. And as he's been doing a lot of that recently, yeah, getting mm. into the box, as Simo's been asking. And he's basically got a header on goal. And a free header on goal, and there's every chance he's going to score it. And Knowles pulls him back and trips him up, and he goes mm. down. And the ref told Simmer after the game that there was no pull and no contact. Mm. I'm not being absolute. We'll talk about the refs and officials in a minute. Well, if there's no pull and no pong, no contact, book, book armor for diving if, you, if you're so sure. Exactly. That, that, that's what baffles me, really. You should really mm. have booked him. Um, I thought, had Armour already been booked at that point, though? I wonder if that's maybe the reason why I can't remember. Oh, I, th- I think he had been, yeah. And and that's that was something as well, that that set the precedent, that booking for me. Because yeah. it, was, it was very soft and... He didn't give yeah. that many bookings, but he just constantly gave him free kicks, wasn't he? It was just, mm. just really spoiled the flow of the game. But but yeah, nailed on penalty. He should really have been a penalty. Was, I know they had a shout in the second half, but watching back, it did, the guy basically sees a foot dangling and just throws himself down, doesn't he? It's pathetic, really. But... Mm. Um, yeah, they, they had a, an early chance in the second half, Walsall, that sort of, it looks better than it did because Holy sort of throws himself towards it, but he had it covered, didn't he, really? Mm. He was going wide for a corner as it was in the end. And then the red card. Now, 
when we saw this in real time, Hayden White was obviously sent off, former Blues defender. There was kind of like a feeling of like, hmm, that looks, maybe looks a little bit harsh, doesn't it? From the angle we were, it didn't look that bad. I don't know what you thought, Mike. You were sort of sat a few seats away from me on this one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I didn't think it was that bad. And having seen it again, I'm still not entirely convinced. I, I think... For me, the pitch side blues footage of it is what shows you that it is a red card. He comes right down with his studs. It's n- the uh, the ball's well gone. Arm has clipped it away, and, he, and it's it's not a good tackle at all. It, I mean, it's it's only the second worst tackle I've seen Hayden White make. To be fair, Portsmouth, <laughs> but um, but yeah, it, it, I think for me, once you see the other angles, it's a stonewall red card for me. I don't think you could really uh, put it this way. I don't think there's anything in that footage that's going to suggest that they're going to win an appeal on it. Mm. So that that tells, and usually if it's fairly obvious it's a bad decision, it gets overturned these days. That's mm. never getting overturned in a million years. So, so yeah, um, and obviously gave put them down to ten men, and um, yeah, it was it was frustrating. There was a long period where we struggled to really get into it, didn't we? We were taking our time, and I can kind of grasp that, but we just couldn't really create the chances, as you said, Mike. We were just too mm. tempted to go long quite often and well it's one of them you say we didn't create the chances but actually watching the highlights again we did create a late few on. and we very did late get, on though, yeah and thing. we did get the ball into some decent areas but i think you know obviously i brought my partner along who uh, doesn't go very often mm-hmm. i think she, you know in her football and input she doesn't know the most about it but i think she said after the game if if Walsall had another player sent off i still don't think Carlisle would have scored yeah it just it just felt like one of those days didn't it, it just it was yeah, Gibson had a long range effort that we were all getting very excited because you know you can hit a decent one for long range. Ballooned it well over the bar. Um, the best chances came from sort of out wide left, didn't they? So the first mm-hmm. one, Devitt done really well actually to sort of force a corner on the on the left hand side, and for once because he was near the ball, I think they were just like you take it because Moxon's corners didn't really create mm-hmm. much this game. Very disappointing again, sadly. Um, Devitt takes it and he finds Moxon unmarked about eight ten yards out maybe less than that i think yeah it's, i think and, it's just at the edge of the six, six yard box and for me he gets up too early and gets over it and heads it mm. into the ground and straight at the keeper and it's like one mm. of those ones like if he just stood still and hadn't jumped and just nodded it he probably mm. scores there completely mm. unmarked and oh that, that was like oh just one of those moments and then um yeah Dennis did some great stuff down there. Dennis did a great little overlap, didn't he? He actually linked quite well on the left because he played mm. for 90 minutes. Played a low ball in the keeper for whatever reason. Just, I think he felt like it was coming closer to him and panicked at the last second. Kicked out of his feet and this sums up our luck. It goes straight at Alfie McCallment and off him. He didn't even have time to react, did he? Yeah. Straight towards the keeper. Either side of the keeper, it's a goal, basically. Mm. Straight at the keeper, able to palm it away again. Moxon then has a volley that goes well wide. And then the last chance, and oh, this one for me, I don't, I, I don't know how he's not scored it. Basically, the initial ball in from Moxon's cleared out to the wing, Mellish and Armour link up, and Armour's ball in is perfect, absolutely inch perfect for Barkley coming in, mm. gets away from his marker, and Simo reckons the defender got a slight touch on the ball before it come, gets to him. I'm not 100% convinced by that. I, mm. It's hard to, maybe you might see it from other angles, I don't know. But the thing that stands out for me is it's like Barkley takes his eyes off the ball. Mm. I feel like if that's put, if that's Morgan Feeney or that's Paul Huntington, that's in the back of the net because mm. they just power the ball into the net there. And he heads it and it just goes tamely wide and then the final whistle goes. And it's kind of... Uh, it just, that's the feeling afterwards, isn't it? It was kind of like uh, a bit deflated. 
But at the same time, like you said, you've probably got to take the positives from it, don't you? Yeah, and I think the fans on the whole kind of were applauding well, yeah. the team. Because, uh, you know, it's, it wasn't for a lack of trying. Um, yeah. But, I mean, what, one thing for me is there was a few times when we kind of had the ball just at the edge of the 18-yard box and we could have maybe just had a dig, but we yeah. would sort of play it sideways, which what? I don't mind sometimes, but sometimes as well, you know, you have a dig on goal. It might not, it might not go in, but the keeper might have to parry it out, or you might and win a, a corner. Goal, and a or, goal like that as well, yeah. Yes, you know, something could happen. And we, I mean, you know, I'm guessing that it, it you know, it's comes from, from the uh, manager's instructions, but I wouldn't have minded us just... Working their goalkeeper a little bit more. To be, fair, to be fair, that's exactly what I said last week, wasn't it? On the pod, I mm. to remember, I was like, I want to see more shots and distance. And we're not, mm. we saw it from Devitt against uh, Trammer. He had a couple, didn't he? You know, and mm. that's where I'm kind of like, that's part, part of me, what thinking maybe we need to get Devitt into the starting lineup a little bit more for these next few mm. games. But well, I, I've, I've said all along the thing with Devitt, and you know, you've, you've got it here is that our decision making in the final third needs to improve. And yeah. Devitt is a player, all right, he doesn't have the legs anymore, but. His decisions in the final third are always pretty much we, spot on. We didn't mention it in the Trammer game. He came on at half time against in that match, and he was fantastic. The way he moved yeah. the ball so quickly, kept it ticking over, he kept it very calm. Perfect player to have come in, in that situation, wasn't he? Um, yeah, it's it's a frustrating result, but you know what? I think Lummy said this on Radio Comedy. He's absolutely right. Come the end of the season, we might look back and say, you know what? We didn't do anything stupid in that game. Mm. We, we kept another clean sheet. We got a point, and we go again. And we might go. We might look at the end of the season and go, "Yep, yeah, that's the point that pretty much got us in promotion." Mm. With any luck, but yeah, we'll have to wait and see on that, won't we? But there you go. And, and as well, I think that these clean sheets can again be kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy yeah. going into these games because teams know that we don't concede goals willy-nilly, so they know when they've got the ball against us. They need to be smart with it. They can't yeah. just, just gamble with it, which I think will hopefully help us keep even more clean sheets in the running. Yeah, and we've got to mention the conditions as well were absolutely horrendous in terms of wind. When the, when the, when the wall sort of keeper was kicking the ball high in the air, a couple of times it came right back at him, didn't it? Mm. It was ridiculous. Whereas actually, to be fair, we're holy. It didn't come right... What you got the impression was he was only getting it to the halfway line sometimes, but he was still mm. way further than the Walsall keeper did. And that's I mean, just there was a mad power. one. There was a mad one in the first half where their keeper kicked it, and I almost thought that it because it, it kicked it forwards, but the wind caught yeah. it that much. I almost thought it was going to yeah, accidentally yeah. <laughs> kick it into his own net. Exactly, it was mad. It was absolutely mad. Um, do we want to talk about the officials in much more detail than we already have? I think the red well, cards. The only decision he re- got bang on all day. It was just some of the decisions were just ridiculous, weren't they? For, for both teams as well. To be yeah, fair, yeah, one hundred percent. Like he was giving us some throw-ins and free kicks, and I was like, well, what's he giving that for? Yeah. Just be yeah. absolutely terrible. But I think as well, you know, while I say that the red card kind of made Walsall want to cling on to a point, not only that, but I think when the ref gave us the red card, if you like, he wasn't going to give us anything else. No. You know, be that subconsciously or what, but yeah. I mean, to be fair, I think Walsall felt aggrieved. They had a couple of really weak penalty shouts in the second half, but... Yeah, he, he just just wasn't a very very good ref, was he? Yeah. Ellis's injury, big blow, coming off after yeah. twenty minutes, and another hamstring injury as well. I mean, and frustrating yeah. as well. It's the other hamstring; it's not the one he had done previously. Mm. So, well, our mate Ian has noticed a correlation with these injuries, yeah. hasn't he? Well, yeah, Ian, Ian pointed out that actually most of the bad injuries we're getting this season have come on opposition pitches. We, I, I can't think of a time when a player has done it at a home game. Mm. Someone will probably correct us on that, but I'm fairly sure Dave Mitchell's fantastic pitch, which looked a, 
like a snooker table, didn't it? On um, on yeah. on Easter on Good Friday, considering had twenty three games played in already this season, absolutely mm. magnificent. What a service! Um, yeah, it's just frustrating, isn't it? It's like you know, it's the fact that it's again, it's a right wing back that's getting injured. The curse continues, doesn't it? And the big question, which we'll touch on in the preview, is who who comes in for him for the for the remaining games? Because I'd imagine that's probably his season over as well. So, yeah. <sighs> Touch and goes, isn't it? Um, right. Uh, what else we got to talk about here? Um, that pretty much sums it up. So we've talked about decision making needs to improve. We need to be a bit better on set pieces. They need to maybe change them up a little bit. They need to maybe just move the ball a bit quicker and, and that mm. kind of thing. Um, let's just finish on some positives then, Mike, because you know we we are wanting to be positive as we can. Um, got to look at it's a successful weekend, don't you? You know. We didn't lose any ground, really. It sounds weird because we, you know, we started in what fourth or fifth place was that? I can't remember now. Mm. And we're pretty much where we were. It's just at Stockport, as we'll talk about in a second. Just had a phenomenal weekend, and they're they're just like a steam train plowing through the division right now. Um, yeah, defensively excellent at the moment, aren't we? And this yeah. is something that's getting a little bit overlooked. We we were so good attacking wise for the first you know until about three or four games ago. You kind of miss the fact that actually in the last ten games. Since we lost 4-0 against Mansfield, we've conceded five goals in 10 games. Mm. And two of those were against Crawley in the 5-2 win there. So you, mm. it's kind of like it doesn't really make any difference, those two goals. As so, well, that, that at Walsall was Holy's 18th clean sheet of the season, yes. which isn't bad considering that some of our fans think that he's the worst goalkeeper that we've ever had. So, yeah, you know. It's just ridiculous. Well, I'll talk about Holy. <laughs> but yeah, in terms, of the, you know, in terms of goals conceded, so if you take away that Crawley game, the nine games, bar that Crawley game, we've conceded three goals. That's a big difference. And teams yeah. are not teams are going to look through their moments. They're thinking they're going to be difficult to break down. And yeah. that, that's not a bad thing to be at the start of the stage, stage of the season. You know, mm. when you start getting messy and conceding lots of goals, that's when you really start to struggle. And mm. actually, someone else, I think uh, CUFC stuff, put it up on Twitter, and they put up a table showing how all the teams have done since basically I think it's the start of January in terms of results. We're third in the table. Yeah. So we're actually, we've actually improved. People seem to think, oh, we've had a dip off in the second half of the season. We haven't. Mm. We're actually better in the second half of the season than we were in the first half of the season. Mm. You know, it's just this last three or four games, five games, that's sort of skewed people's views a little bit, haven't they, really? But it's still there. The quality's there. So we've still got to believe. Yeah, Thomas Show, let, let's just make it mention him briefly. 18 clean sheets. That equals Kieran Westwood's uh, record from 2007 and 8. And, um, 2006 and seven. actually, I think he did it two seasons in a row, you got 18 clean sheets. Um, yeah, I think he needs one more to equal Dave McKellar's personal record, which is 19. So two more clean sheets and he'll be the highest number of clean sheets in one season from a goalkeeper. Uh, like you said, considering some of the stick he got some, from some of our fans, actually I think as well, since that Mansfield game, he's been fantastic. You could not fault him on any of the goals we've conceded, mm. really, when you look at it since that game. So, yeah, exactly. Brilliant, and hopefully he can keep it up and and as well, one one thing with him, which I've I've really noticed when you sort of put him against other League Two keepers, mm. is quite often there's back passes to his left foot, and he every time he's good. He, he he, he's, he's good enough with it. Whereas like other keepers, there's a back pass to the left foot, yeah. and you know it doesn't look very good. He gets it off the pitch, and 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 he's worked on that. You know, at the end of the day. It, it must be a t- tactic from Simo that he's told to aim for Jack Armour every time on that touchline, mm. which makes it a challenge because it means he's likely to put quite a few of them out of play. Yeah. But actually, he's got better on that. He's bringing a few of them inside a little bit more as well. So I'd like to see him maybe mix it up and play some down the right as well. But 
then again, we haven't really got the same height, have we, for the right no. wing backs? That's, that's where the problem is, I guess, for there you go. Uh, right, well, let's do a quick round-up of League 2 this weekend, Mike. Uh, I mean, the biggest winners of the Easter weekend, we said it already, haven't we? Stockport County, the only team uh, who got a double over the weekend. Um, they got a uh, a 1-0 win at Sutton United uh, and a 4-0 home win over Newport County, which means they've jumped above United to third place. I think they. I don't think they come out the top three before the end of the season, now, you know? I yeah, think it's them up there. I mean, surely uh, they've got so much momentum behind them as well. Um, yeah, so many players to pick from as well, which you know most clubs just don't. That's that's it. Mm. Northampton just about held on to second place. They they lost three 0 to Newport County, which that's a contrast, isn't it, to to what Stockport did mm. um, in the first game, and then they got a two one home win uh, to Gillingham, that left them three points behind United and Stockport. But both United and Stockport have got a much better, like four or five better goal difference than them. So this weekend, United being three points behind them, you know, mm. every chance we could jump ahead of them, and and that that's I think as well, which we'll touch on in a minute. They've got a few injury issues there right now, so yeah. Yeah, uh, Stephen is they look in danger of not just missing out on all like promotion, they could even miss out on the playoffs because their form since the turn of the year has been pretty appalling, hasn't it? I think in the last mm. fourteen games, especially, I think they've picked up fifteen points. No, sorry, yeah, from a possible forty-two, they've picked up fifteen points. That was it. That was the game that you couldn't think of, the nil-nil. Uh, Stevenage. Oh, Stevenage, right. Yes, yeah. sorry, then that would be the which, one, yeah. Yeah, which looking back now, you know, it, it kind of makes me rue the fact that we didn't get three points even more. But Yeah, but yeah so yeah. basically they, they got consecutive draws, but I mean, it's the teams they drew against is the issue for them. A 1-1 draw against Colchester and then a 1-1 draw against Hartlepool. And Hartlepool have really improved recently, really mm. improved. But yeah, it's just, it's a tough one. Um... Bradford City, I mean, they've been in excellent form and people just aren't noticing it, are they? It's weird. They've kind of just, they've just been like a... Again, we talk about Stockport being like a Steam James. Bradford. It's quite incredible, actually, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, they they made it 10 games unbeaten, albeit they'll probably be disappointed with a nil-nil draw against Crawley, followed by a routine 3-1 home win over Sutton, whose own playoff hopes are looking pretty much gone now, I think it's fair to say. I can't see Sutton uh, dragging themselves up into the top... Um, Top seven anymore, sadly, for them. Um, I'm just looking at here, Mike, right? So I think there's been... I'm, I'm just double-quick checking this now. I think they've played 19 games since we beat them on Boxing Day when they were pretty dreadful Bradford, right? Mm. They've only lost two since then. Wow. Um, and obviously, that includes the recent 10 games with you know, without a defeat. And in mm. those 10 games, they've got three, five wins and five draws. Mm. Which is what you need, isn't it? Mm. Win, draw, win, draw. And they're probably... Again, if United can't get up there, I can see Bradford. I can see it being already in Stockport, Bradford top three, which you wouldn't have got like not long ago. You probably would have said no chance, but... It's going to go right to the wire, isn't it? I feel like the top... I don't think either second or third will be secured before the end of the season. Mm. Orient are going to win the title and they're going to win away. But that, that's, yeah. I've not even mentioned them in here because they're <laughs> gone now, aren't they? Mm. Uh, Salford, um, they went ahead of Mansfield on the play up front. Despite losing on Good Friday at Leighton Orient, they picked up a dramatic 3-2 win on Monday at AFC Wimbledon, which was a ridiculous game, wasn't it? They were 2-1 mm. down in injury time. They got a penalty in the 92nd minute, missed it. The player missed the penalty, then scored a minute later to make it 2-2. And then four minutes, three minutes after that, got the winner to make it 3-2, mm. which is just remarkable. Um, Mansfield, meanwhile, they beat Swindon 4-2, but then they drew 1-1 with Rochdale. So yeah, every, pretty much everybody's picking up, you know, four points, basically. There's not really much of a change. The difference is 
the ones we've lost out are Stevenage, essentially, in all this. Hmm. We're, we're pretty much as you were with everybody else. But Stevenage, actually, when you look at it, they're the ones who are... Man, Salford, you could argue, maybe lost a point, but then they're still in the playoff hunt, so they'll be happy with that. Um, bit of a faltering weekend for Barrow. They uh, are just about in touch with the playoffs. Uh, they lost Friedel at Crewe on Good Friday, but then got a 4-0 home win over Crawley. And that leaves them, I think, five points outside the playoff positions. I, I still think it's too much for them. Yeah, I, I think so. I don't see enough teams losing for them to, to catch up to it. They may still well, you know, you, you never know. Hopefully they won't because we'll beat them. in. in, in yeah, well, I, I'm just hoping that they don't really have a lot to play for when we play yeah. them. Yeah, and at the bottom, uh, Rochdale, their revival under Jim McNaught to continue. They got a, a, a win over Walsall followed by a draw at Mansfield. Um, I, I still think they're going to go down. I think it's just a little bit too much too late, isn't mm. it, really? Uh, Hartlepool, they jumped out of the relegation places. They got a 4-1 win at Grimsby. Which is quite impressive because Grimsby are a hard team to beat. Mm. And then a 1-1 draw with Stephen is Crawley have dropped into the bottom two after their nil-nil draw and obviously the 4 0 defeat at Barrow. And in the nicest way possible, I hope they remain there because it's <laughs> used for us. Um, just before I move on to the second half of the show, Mike, uh, just a, a little thing I spotted. I was just looking through the, the form tables and I normally look at the last six games form table, but I thought I'll have a look at the last 10 games to see how it, how it looks. On the last 10 games form, the top seven are actually all the current top seven mm. except for Barrow who replaced Stephen who were at 12th in the last 10 games form table and obviously Barrow are in 8th place so it goes to show the teams at the top are the ones really in form and that, that's why yeah. actually if I'm a Stephen I'd be panicking a little bit and thinking oh, we might miss out here actually mm. <laughs> there's a bit of a worry sorry Barrow are 9th I should say not 8th uh, yeah they're just behind Mansfield so uh, yeah very very tight at the bottom right We'll uh, take a short break and then we'll be back to preview the Northampton game. Hi, I'm Thomas Holy, and you are listening to Brunton Bjorga. Oh, we had to use Big Thomas for the halftime break there, didn't we, Mike? Mm. With his uh, clean sheet record. Um, closing in on the record, of course, I should say there. So, uh, fantastic. Right, into the second half of the show. We're going to preview the Northampton game in a minute. But while we're recording, my brother sent me over a 60-second review, but it's not him doing it. So he went to the game against Tranmere with a guy called Vincenzo from Australia. What a name. Places. I know. Surely the only Vincenzo who's ever going to listen to this podcast, I would have thought. <laughs> Unless, like, I don't know. Um, let's say Bunyo's got, like, a, a long-lost, like, grandfather Vincenzo who just happens to have taken interest in us <laughs> after he played for us. Probably doesn't, but, you know, because the yeah. stats show that we don't have any Italian ones, but there you go. Um, yeah, so Vincenzo sent in a six-second review of the game. Um, so here's the six-second review. I do apologise for that. This isn't in the first half, but hit, there you go. This is Vincenzo from Australia with a 60-second review, belated, of the Carlisle versus Tranmere game. Um, going to the game, 14,000 people there, which was brilliant to see. Uh, after... Uh, However many games with no goals scored. The drought was broken with two brilliant goals from Dennis. Thought uh, Patrick had a brilliant game. His pressing was basically the um, instigator for everything good that happened. Played brilliantly. Uh, what else happened that day? A uh, man collapsed next to me in the crowd. Another man thought he'd get the um, attention of the stewards by singing instead of just yelling it out, but whatever. Um, what else happened? Oh, Dennis's celebration for the second goal. No, not his celebration. Yeah, it was his celebration, wasn't it? No, he's uh, <laughs> Dennis going off. One of the greats, honestly. 
that uh, receding hairline of his, don't touch it. He will snap at you. I think I know what he's referencing there when he says the hairline thing. Because when he came off, he was walking off and uh, Jamie Devitt, who likes to make a joke about him being bald, doesn't he? But Dennis mm. grabbed his hair and pulled it a little bit. <laughs> he mm. did a like, I'm going like, get away, mate. You're not doing that one on me. So, uh, yeah, that's what he was on about. Uh, he did send a little amendum, though, uh, Vincenzo as well. So here it is. And that's uh, a 60-second review from uh, probably the fan who travelled the furthest to get to that game. If anyone travelled further than me, I'd be very, very, very pissed off. <laughs> well, there's the challenge. Did anyone challenge to that travel to the game further than Vincenzo? I don't think anyone would have done. I'm trying to think yeah. what would be further New Zealand, maybe? If it someone dep- came from yeah. there. It d- depends which way you go, I suppose. <laughs> That's true. You maybe if you, but, yeah, if you fly the wrong way, but yeah. Yeah, um, and I heard about the guy who collapsed in the paddock. Mm. By all accounts, he was all right to come out in the second yeah. half, so... Good stuff. That's what we want to hear. Great stuff. Yes, thank you, Vincenzo, for your six-second review. Got it in there in the end, so there you go. Right, uh, Northampton preview time, Mike. Um, before we go any further, I'm going to do the quiz question this week because I haven't done one for a while. So something you'll find out in a minute when we start talking about the game is that we haven't beaten Northampton for nine games now. Quite remarkable, mm. that, isn't it? Last time we beat them was nine games ago. And it was a game in uh, March 2015, which we won 2-0. Now, I want you to tell me, United's starting lineup that day, if you can, and the team oh, goal scorers. I'd have no chance. So, 2015, was that the year we went down or the year we'd come down? We'd come down. So, it was first, okay. it was under Keith Curl was the manager. Keith In Curl fact, was the, manager. The, the Northampton manager that day, Chris Wilder. Okay. Uh, well, in nets, it would have been. Oh, who do we even have in goal that season? Um, I don't even know who we had. Who was our keeper that season? We, we would have had uh, Archibald Henville, I'm guessing, in defence. So, no, we'll, we'll get. Well, tell what we'll do is we'll go goalkeeper, defenders, midfielders, and then sort of there's an attacking midfielder and a striker. Is the way it was played it was a four-four-one-one. I, I honestly cannot think of the keeper that we had that season. You can't be a um, goalkeeper. I'll tell you the goalkeeper was. The goalkeeper was Dan Hanford. Ah, uh, okay. And back up on the bench was Raphael Spiegel. That's how long ago it was. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, so Centre-back. I'll... Ooh, well, I want to say Troy Archibald-Henville. Um, and I want to say Courtney Mepp and Walter played, but Keith Curl played him in midfield a little bit that season as well. So I'm a little... But I'll just... I'll say he played at centre-back. So, so there you two centre-backs. Are you going full-backs? Uh, full backs, I would say, uh, left back, uh, Danny Granger, uh, right back could literally be anyone. Ah, <laughs> um, oh, who do we have right? I think Leon McSweeney was the season before, wasn't he? Uh, right back. Yeah, I'm struggling for a right back. Go on, just name one. Uh, well, he, he wasn't even there then, but I'll say Frank Simek. <laughs> right, and I'll go for you midfield four. Uh, midfielders, uh, Kyle Dempsey. Uh, in fact, yeah, I think Kyle Dempsey scored in this game. Um, so Kyle Dempsey, definitely. Jason Kennedy, I'll go for. Um, ooh. Oh, we, we didn't really play wide midfielders, did we, you say? 
Uh, 4-4-1-1. So someone okay. played just behind the striker. Um, ooh, who played just behind the striker? You might have named him already. Well, I've said Dempsey. I've said... Uh... <laughs> yeah, Dempsey, basically. Oh, okay, I'll, Dempsey. G- I'll give you that one already because it's an obvious yeah. one. You s- and you also write he was one of the goal scorers that day. Um, yeah. So go on, you, you midfield for... Uh, who are you going for? Uh... So I've, I've said Kennedy, ooh, you already? Yeah, I've said Kennedy. Uh, I'll say Gary Dicker, even though he didn't really play much under Curl. Mm-hmm. Um, this is bloody difficult. Um, and sort of wider, I haven't got a clue. I'll just punt and I'll say Angelo Balanta, even though he wasn't here then. And I'll say uh, Martin Smith. Um, God, terrible at this, aren't you? Yeah. Here you and go up, for the striker. Up front, I'll say Stephen Rigg. Oh, no, Brad Potts will have played midfield. I'll, okay, I'll so put have... Brad Potts in for Martin Smith. Okay. Um, and so Striker. I'll go for Stephen Rigg up front. Okay. With... Uh, you mentioned Dempsey behind, didn't you? You said. Yeah. Who's your other goal scorer? Uh, is it Jason Kennedy? Yes, you're right. Jason Kennedy was the other scorer, so he's one of the players. Right, I'm going to tell you, team, I'll put you out of misery. So Dan Hanford in Nets. Yeah. It was... Matt Young at right back. Ah. It was Pat Bruff at left back. Ah. And your two centre halves were Sean O'Hanlon and Danny Granger. So you were oh, okay. right with Danny Granger being in there, but he's got the wrong position. Yeah. Midfield uh, on the right wing, David Amu. Can't believe you forgot David Amu. Yeah. More people. Jason Kennedy, Paul Corey alongside Ooh. Kennedy, Brad Potts on the left wing, and then Dempsey was just behind Derek Asamoah. Um, oh, I should okay. say, Stephen Rigg came on as a sub for Asimov in that game, and mm. Billy Painter came on for Paul Curry, and also David, uh, sorry, Paul Farewell came on for David Amu. The other subs were Nathan Buddle, um, Raphael Spiegel, Charlie Wyke, and uh, um, Griffith as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> Remember him? Good, yeah. That's going back a bit. So there you go. So that, that was your team that day. So um, yeah, nice easy one for you there. <laughs> Not at all challenging. I could remember who scored though. I'm quite impressed with that. Yeah, to be fair, there's some that. useless information rattling around in there. Exactly. Right. Um, okay. Let's get on to previewing the Northampton game. And um, we've got behind enemy lines first. Uh, yes, we spoke to. Well, I say we spoke to. I'm speaking to them later on after we record this. So this is kind of me guessing. Definitely what we're going to talk about. So I spoke to Charles from the It's All Cobblers to Me podcast. Um, what am I going to talk about? Oh, how nervous they are about the running, and particularly in terms of the fear of repeating last season's disappointment. And and also swapping a few notes on uh, long injury list this season. So here's the chat I had with Charles. So yes, we're back once again for the behind enemy lines section. Oh, we're getting to the business end of the season now. and Every game's got something hanging on it, but I don't think many games this season are going to have as much hanging on as this one against Northampton. And we are here with Charles from the It's Cobblers to Me podcast. Charles, uh, we've just had a, a nice long chat for your podcast to previous weekend's game. Uh, I think we're both sort of in agreement, weren't we, that this match is huge, isn't it, for both clubs, really? I mean, it's one of those ones where... For you guys, especially three points. I'm not saying it guarantees you a fair, you know a top three finish, but it puts you in a really strong position coming into the final tail end of the campaign, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that at the end of the day, we can if we win, then we will give ourselves a nice six point cushion between the two clubs between our, ourselves, um, and. 
this is for me. I mean, the first of essentially five cup finals. Yeah. Um, you know, after we've uh, got Saturday out of the way, um, we've then got on paper two seemingly easier ties. I mean, you know, I, I'm not jinxing it there. Uh, we've got Sutton away and then Harrogate at home. Um, before we then face Bradford at home and Tranmere away. So, and as much as I know Tranmere haven't been particularly good and they weren't particularly good against you. uh, No, they were terrible. Terrible. um, It's always a a hard place for us to go um, to theirs. And doing it on the last day of the season, I'm really hopeful that we don't have to get anything out of that game. I'm hoping it's sewn up for us at that point so yeah this one is really really big if we want to make that a reality and not have to go to the final day of the season I mean I don't know after last season how uh, my nerves would would go (laughs) if it was all on that last day if we still had a ridiculous chance of you know not finishing in the top three uh, on that last day and we had to get a result I would be, for want of a better word, pooping myself. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't want to go through that again. No. Well, unfortunately, I'm going to talk about that in a minute. For me. <laughs> if you, I'm sure you don't want to. I'm sure you're going to be regretting coming on that. I said that. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it is remarkable, isn't it? They, these last five games for all the clubs in the top seven, obviously they're going to be really tight and it's going to be exciting. But like you say, some of the games coming up, you mentioned that day you played Bradford. We play Salford at home that day mm. as well. Leighton Orient plays Stockport County. That's going to be a remarkable set of fixtures for those last few games. I mean, I'm looking for you as well. I mean, Mansfield probably got the easiest of the lot. They're playing against um, Harrogate Town at home. In fact, Stevenage played Grimsby at home. So those two are probably hoping to get some sort of advantage that day. So that's going to be a key set of fixtures. But these ones, especially for us, you guys, like you said, you've got the Sutton game in midweek, but then we've got Stockport at home. So for us, it's it's a, it's a double-header almost. And for you, I suppose you look at it and think, if you guys can win this game, you actually then put the onus on us to get a result against Stockport, which is for your advantage, really, in that yeah. sense. Because if we beat you, we probably look and think, okay, we can afford a point against Stockport on, on Tuesday night. Because then we go into a game against Barrow, which is a you know, huge game for us either way. But but yeah, I mean, let, let's, let's talk about last season and I'm sorry to, to bring it up but <laughs> no you're not <laughs> I mean uh, how impressed have you been with the way your team squad club however you want to put it has just bounced back from that and almost just brushed it off as if not as if it never happened but as if okay we're just going to get it right this time because I was looking at I mean last day of the season now you look back at it and you think Bristol Rovers, what a ridiculous result against Scunthorpe. You must have been quite angry about that at the time. But now you look at it, Scunthorpe are getting a second successive relegation. Maybe it's not as big a surprise <laughs> they won that game 7-0. <laughs> um, and then to lose in the playoffs. But you've been in the top three since the ninth game of the season. Surely you're not going to mess it up now? Oh, well, you've said it now, haven't you? <laughs> Thanks, mate. Um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the calendar year, there was a, a a stat put out, which is that we'd actually accumulated 83 points January to December. So for the year 2022, which is obviously 
a very, very good tally of points yeah. uh, in League Two. So if you put that onto a football season, you're probably looking at it and going, yeah, that should be enough to get us automatic promotion. Um, one of our Patreon supporters has actually been updating a, a, a table from the last 10 years. So it's the table of each season for the last 10 no. years, the top seven and how many points each of those got. And every time we go past a certain point in terms of the amount of points that we've got. He circles it so we can see right. And I think we worked out, just judging on what is the minimum number of points that, mm. based on the last 10 years, that you need in League Two to guarantee automatic promotion. I think it's 86. So that is okay. the highest amount that the third place team in the last 10 years has got in order to win promotion. There were a couple that were like 85, but the fourth team also had 85 points. So you realistically got to look at like 86 will guarantee it based on 10 years of history, right? We're on course to get that. It is possible to get there. Whether we need to get 86, obviously you look at the league table. Now we've got 73 Orient, you know, have won it. They were on 81 points. Yeah, already. yeah, yeah. But, you know, yourselves, Stockport, Stevenage, all on 70 points. Bradford on 68, Salford on 66. All of those teams still have a chance of making it into the automatic promotion Mm -hmm. spaces by the end of these last five games, right? But I actually think, judging by the way that the games are panning out, so many teams, sorry, are playing each other. I don't think we'll necessarily need 86. I think we'll be okay with slightly less than that. Um, I do think it is a testament to the way that the club has been managed and the coaching staff have set their stall out. The uh, The one issue that we had last season was squad depth. That was the big thing that held us back, essentially. Um, That game against Barrow on the last day of the season... Um, and what we'd been doing probably for the last 10 matches before that was literally we were only making one sub, and that was to bring Danny Rose on to essentially come on and just time waste, win free kicks yeah. up at the top end of the pitch and, and, and essentially hold on to whatever it was that we had. We didn't have anybody else that could come on and change the game. And I'll be honest with you, it never felt like Danny Rose was able to change the game either. And yet he's gone to Stevenage and has had a a fantastic (laughs) season for them. Typical, really. Whereas this year, we've had a much deeper squad. And in hindsight, it's a really good job because we've got 12 players now out injured. Um, Six, seven of those would be first team regular starters. Um, there's more injuries within the squad. Um, it was revealed after the game, after the win at Gillingham on Monday, that Harvey Lintot had been feeling his hamstrings, so he came off at half-time. He shouldn't have played, apparently, at all. Jack Sowerby has come off at half-time for the last... Well, apart from Gillingham, where he came on at half-time, um, he'd come off at half-time in the two or three matches beforehand Mm. so quite clearly it was a simple case he can only last that long and it was better to start him than to have him coming on later on by the way when he came on against Gillingham he came on and played centre-back because 
We don't have anybody no. else to play in defence. Most of our injuries, they're all at the midfield and below. So midfield, defence and keepers. Uh, our attack now isn't really being affected too much. Mm-hmm. Touch massive amounts of wood, that I say <laughs> that. Um, you know, we've had a very steady front four for the last however many games. So essentially Apparet in the middle and then Hoskins on the left, Kieran Bowie on the right and Mitch Pinnock doing whatever the hell he wants to do because he can um, behind them. It's a testament to the way that we've been able to keep that squad that we had that did so well last season together out of the players that we had out of contract and we were a bit worried about losing. So Fraser Horsfall left. He went to Stockport County. Yeah. Um, Sean McWilliams, he signed a new contract. Uh, we were ecstatic with yeah, that. He's come through our academy. He's one of the players that's out injured. You'll be probably happy to hear. Damn he's break. definitely <laughs> done for the rest of the season. Um, and the other player was Lee Roberts, who uh, sorry Liam Roberts, get his name right, who signed for Middlesbrough. Um, so we were really happy. One out of three to keep was really good. We kept the rest of the squad together that was wanted, and then brought in lots more players and that's really been the key to the success that we've had has been that stability and continuity but adding to the depth of the squad which we were so badly lacking last season yeah it, 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 we, we said in our poll in the summer we we predicted you guys to i'm pretty sure all three of us actually had you guys in the top three i think mike even had you at top of the league so <laughs> so yeah just just goes to show doesn't it and i think we all had stockpot in there so we're kind of all glad that stockpot is sort of sneaking up in the sense of getting our predictions right not so much in terms of our chances to finish in top three but i mean <laughs> with the money with the money they spent they should be right up there you'd, you'd think wouldn't you um in terms of looking through your squad we all agreed. It, it's it, of all the squads in the division, it, it's probably the most solid looking. It the, outside of maybe Mitch Pinnock, who had a great season for you last season, who really impressed us. There's no massive superstars in there, is there? We all felt Danny Hilton was a, the player to take you to the next level. I still can't believe he's not scored for you. I didn't even realize that until I was checking before. Handy just hasn't been. I think he's been injured quite a bit, hasn't he? Possibly. Um, yeah. Other than that, and obviously Hoskins had a brilliant season. It's just a good, solid squad, isn't it? And of good performers at this level, and, and you know, bringing in a good keeper in Lee Burge in the summer as well, who allegedly we were interested in. Actually, I think he was right. him and Thomas Holy were the two keepers we were at, we were keen on. So we got one of them. And you guys obviously got Burge, and yeah, it it just it feels like you you, you signed very smartly in the summer as well. Yeah, it, it does. To be honest, I mean, we had a tough job of replacing Liam Roberts. He was yeah. so good for us last season in goal. And yeah, we really missed him in the, the first leg of the playoffs. He got sent mm-hmm. off against Barrow um, mm-hmm. for a handball outside the area. Um, last five minutes to go, something like that. Danny Rose actually ended up going in net. Um, and um, we then didn't have him for the first leg against Mansfield, which Johnny, Johnny Maxted, um yeah, let a, a, a goal go in at his yeah. near post. He'd not played a game apart from in the you know pizza trophy all yeah. season. So Rusty is probably being kind. Um, so replacing Roberts was was always going to be huge. And I'll be honest, I can't believe we've got a, a goalkeeper to the standard of of Burge. He's been yeah. fantastic for us. At the start of the season, there wasn't a game going by where he didn't make a match winning save. He was top draw absolutely brilliant he then got injured 
and I think I'm right in saying that he got injured um, at Salford um, hmm. on on their wonderful pitch, oh, God, um, as we all know. And the following week, we were playing Stockport away, um, and we signed Tom King, so from Salford. From Salford, <laughs> um, and he came in and was really good again. Like it was like, oh, mm. hang on a minute, we've we've managed to replace Burge with another top quality keeper. This is brilliant. Um, he's third choice for Wales uh, in the recent. Um, I think it was the qualifiers that they've yeah. they've just had. Um, so he was off on international duty. Burge has come back from injury and has gone straight back into the side. And I'm I'm ecstatic. And I'm like that going, right, Tom King only has a contract until the end of the season. He signed on a permanent deal, but a short-term one. Yeah. If he signs on for next season to fight for the number one shirt with Burge, yeah. I don't, it doesn't matter what league we're in. I am going to be incredibly happy about who we've got in goal next season. It's going to be great. Um, but yeah, the, the the rest of the sort of the, the signs we made. You, you mentioned Danny Hilton. He was the fanfare. Yeah. He was the big name signing. He's also the complete odd one out because he doesn't fit really with how no. we want to play the game. He's unfortunately, and I know if uh, I know he won't be, but if he was to come across the pod and listen to it, I'm sorry, Danny, but your legs have gone, pal. You've, <laughs> you've still got a whole bunch of skill as he showed on Monday. Yeah, he, he didn't get the assist for uh, the winner but he brought the ball down yeah from from the air laid it off uh i think to hoskins who then gave it to honda mark who basically did what he did and, and smashed it in from 25 yards out um without him bringing the ball down that goal wouldn't have happened he also created the space for honda mark to go into so he has still got something to offer it's just not pace i'm sorry danny um so <sighs> I think you're right. It's a really strong squad full of hardworking, talented, mostly young, hungry players. Um, I've got to talk about Kieran Bowie because the mm-hmm. guy is a sensation. Um, he's on loan from, I'll have to get this right, Fulham. Fulham. Um, he's a Scottish under-21 international. He is going to make it big time. Um, at the start of the season he was good he was fine he scored a really good goal away at Grimsby I think that was the second game of the season our first away game Um, really really nice goal Um, he got injured for a little while around about sort of November time but he's come back and he has just been fantastic he is the type of player that every football fan wants in their team first of all he likes a fight, not no. physical punch. I mean, the battle against the defender. Yeah. He loves it. He lives for it. But he's also got pace. He's got trickery. He's got skill. He's got an eye for goal. And the other thing that he's really good at is winding everybody else up as well. There have been so many times where he has managed to, you know, wind up the defender to the point where the defender fouls them because it's the only thing that he's got left to do is just go through Kieran Bowie. Um, he'll then be on the floor. And, and, you know, the fouls are 99% of the time correct decisions. He's not diving. He's not being mm-hmm. that horrible player. He's just winding up his opposite man to force him into going in too hard and winning the foul. Um, 
he'll be on the floor and he'll gee the crowd up. He'll give them a fist pump or a cheeky wink or something uh-huh. that just gets us going. The lad, for the age he is, is is wise beyond his years in terms of football. He is going to be some player. And um, he deserves to have scored more goals for his contributions, to be honest. If he had more goals, then he'd be a shoe-in for one of those EFL awards, I'm sure. It's just that is what he's lacking for him, unfortunately. If he had that in his uh, in his locker for this season, he'd definitely be up there. I'd love to sign him for next season. I don't mm. see it. I don't see Fulham allowing him to go, not without somebody coming in with a big wad of cash for them anyway. So, yeah, um, I think you're right. The, the squad that we have got is full of up-and-comers. That's what John Brady has gone for. He loves coaching. And he's really good at it. The amount of players that we've brought in and have made them better. Ali Koike, I mean, he's out injured. You won't see him on Saturday. But we, we took him from Bristol Rovers on a free transfer for one-year contract. Uh, I think that was last year. Um, Rangers apparently wanted him last January. We've managed to keep him we made him sign a, a another year extension i think he's actually one of the only players that's out of contract at the end of this season he may well leave um he has come on leaps and bounds he came in to be mm. our number two our backup reserve left back uh joseph mills got injured quite early on at the start of last season and he had to go in and he's brilliant as an attacking left back he's been fantastic and has come on leaps and bounds so it's one of the things that gets said by every single player that, that signs for us. Why did you sign for Northampton Town? John Brady. He will make me better. It just comes back to what we were saying before. There's so many similarities between the clubs. Because the same with Simpson. Ryan Edmondson had a chance to go to a higher level for more money. And he said, I came to Carlisle because I worked with Paul Simpson in the England under age groups. And he was brilliant. I want to work with him again. And that's that's the response we're getting from all kinds of players who come in. They talk about how great he used to work with such a good man, man manager as well as a coach. So you're right, and and, and yeah, it's the same with, with players. It sounds like uh, Bowie's a, a sort of a, a like a young Joe Garner. If you remember mm. what he was back like back in the day, he'll yeah, yeah, throw yeah. himself down at every opportunity he can to win free kicks, and he still does that a little bit now. He he managed to injure, I think, about three or four different players over the first three or four games of his his latest spell as well. And the thing is. They weren't fouls. They were all perfectly legitimate tackles. He just, he loves to get stuck in as well, but yeah. hasn't quite got the legs he used to have, I think it's fair to say. And it'll be interesting to see what he's like, uh, Barry, up against, if he's up, I don't know which side he goes down, but against John Mellish on the left or possibly the other side, I don't know. But... Probably be on the right. Hoskins tends to be on so, the left or at least start there. Um, so they might basic... swap over, but... Well, he'll be up against John Mellish, so that's interesting because he might have to do a little bit of tracking back as Mellish does like to push up a bit. And Mellish, fair play, Mellish is very difficult to wind up because, as I've said to you before, he doesn't, in the nicest way possible, our fans doubt whether he's got anything between his ears. And, <laughs> and that's to our benefit because he just does what he wants and he doesn't get wound up. So there you go. Um, Charles, I've, I've taken up a lot of your time. Uh, thank you very much. Um, before we finish up, uh, we did this on your pod. What's your predictions for this oh, weekend's game? I'm, I'm tempted to change what my prediction is now <laughs> just because I'm on your pod, but I won't. Uh, I'm going to go with a one-all draw. But like we talked about on my pod um, in the recording earlier on, Lee, um, 
I don't think this is going to be another one of those games no. like you had against Stevenage a couple Thank of God. weeks ago. <laughs> uh, I think this will be a bit more open, a bit more entertaining, a bit more of both sides wanting to win it. I think we'll come out the blocks first 20 minutes. That seems to be what we're like at the moment is that we will. And I mean, I'm not afraid to say it, but I think we might even play you off the park for 20 minutes. And then you'll come back into the game. That seems to be the pattern. Every game mm-hmm. that we play over the last few weeks has been, we will come out firing for 20 minutes. You'll suddenly make a a, a slight tweak to your formation or your mm-hmm. tactics that suddenly brings you back into the game and it, it, it evens itself out. Uh, and then we get a bit tired in the last 15, 20. That'll be... For us, we need to score in the first 20 because otherwise I'd be worried about you scoring in the last 20. So I'll go for a one-all draw because I think that will be a happy compromise from my (laughs) point of view. I'd love to get three points because of the aforementioned gap that that will open up for us. Um, But if we took a point and then went to uh, the next two games, Sutton and then Harrogate at home and won those... I'd be looking back at a very happy seven points. So, um, yeah, one all draw for me, mate. It's interesting you mentioned about that good that good start because we're, we're often better when we don't have the ball. Like I said, against against Tranmere, they had 67% possession. We only had 36. And I think we had 15 shots and eight on target and they had eight and one on target. So it quite often works out better for us not having the ball. So that could make for quite an interesting context. Charles, thanks for your time and all the best for the rest of the season. Do I mean that? Probably not after this weekend's <laughs> game. Thanks, Lee. Yeah, big thanks to Charles for giving up his time to speak to us. You'll probably hear us on his podcast as well. So um, give that a listen out too. Um, let's get on to it, Mike. Uh, yes, this weekend's game, 3pm kickoff at Brunton Park. Uh, Rebecca Welsh. Is the referee uh, from County Durham. It's her third season as an EFL referee. Um, you might remember famously, she's the thir- she was the first ever Football League referee, wasn't she? Uh, it was a mm. female. So that was a really good achievement for her. This season, she's taken charge of 18 games so far, handing out 58 yellows and no red cards. You know, a lot of calm into In fact, I don't think she's actually, since she, since she became a Football League referee, I don't think she's handed out a single red card in a league fixture. Nailed on red card this 100%, week. 100%, 100%. I'm, glad, I'm saying this <laughs> deliberately here. Um, yeah, she, she basically, she handed out one red card, I think, in an FA Cup game involving, I think, maybe Birmingham and Plymouth or something like that. But yeah, she's not handed out any red cards in the mm. fixtures, which is interesting. Um, she's actually taken charge of a lot more games than that, says uh, this season, because she is a referee in the women's game, and she's actually a FIFA standard official in, in that. Um, the, one of the games she recently took charge of was the PSG versus Wolfsburg uh, quarterfinal in the Women's Champion League. So very high standard official, which is, is yeah. good to see, and, which is nice, actually, because that recent game against Stevenage, wasn't it, where we got just an absolute shock of a ref. So hopefully mm. she'll be very good in terms of taking charge of this one. Jumping ahead a little bit here to, to the weekend preview that we're going to do of the uh, Stockport game, Mike. Do you know who's going to be referee for the uh, Stockport game? Uh, no, go on. Thomas Parsons. No. Yes. Oh, God. That is Thomas Parsons, who, for those fans thinking, why does that name sound familiar? He refereed the Leighton Orient game earlier this season. Which, I genuinely thought he would never ref us again. This season, <laughs> at the very least. I, I thought there's no way yeah. he's refereeing us again this season after what happened. Yeah. But there's the kind of part of me in the back of my head thinking... He's going to be a bit rattled and think, I got an absolute rollicking for what happened at the game at Brunham Park. So 
maybe I'll get it right this time. Maybe I'll start handing a few things out, nice things out to Carlo. That's what we're hoping for. I hope so. That's what you got to hope, haven't you? Uh, last season, she handed out 53 yellows and one red card in 17 games. Obviously, that red card, as I mentioned, was in an FA Cup game. And uh, the last United game she took charge of uh, was um, the 3 0 defeat at Harrogate last season. Not a game that we really want to talk about anymore, do we? So. So there you go. Head-to-head record, 47 meeting of the two sides. Uh, United have won 13. 14 have been draws, and the Cobblers have won 19. Northampton Town, Mike. Um, kind of where we expect them to be this season, aren't they, really? Yeah, I think that they were my tip to win the league in were the they? pre-season yeah. preview. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they're near enough up there, aren't they? Uh, yeah. Certainly at the right end of the table. Um I- I have a feeling that both, I think all three of us put Northampton in the top three, and I think all three of us put Stockport in the top three. So at the moment, mm. our predictions aren't looking that stupid. I think fairly sure we all thought Orient would do okay as well. I think. I don't think any of us predicted Orient or Stevenage oh, top three. <laughs> no, I, I think I think me and Dan definitely predicted them as dark horses. I think that you yeah, unexpected teams to do well. So we're happy with that. But yeah, as you say, mate, it was kind of expected they were going to be up there. And but the easiest thing to happen for them would have been to to struggle, wouldn't it? Because they had a lot of disappointment towards the end of the season, didn't they? Where they thought they'd done enough at Barrow. Mm. And then Bristol Rovers go and get the most ridiculous final day of the season result mm. you've ever seen against Scunthorpe. Against the, I mean, it's funny in hindsight, people are all saying, oh, to disgrace what Scunthorpe have done on the final day, blah, blah, blah. They've just been relegated to the National League North, second mm. consecutive relegation. They're a club that was a mess, so them mm. losing that game seven 0 is not actually that much of a surprise, now is it? Really? Yeah, exactly. No, no comfort at all to Northampton listen, fans listening to that, I'm sure. But, but yeah, so that the disappointment of that, and then to lose in the playoffs as well, having finished fourth, that must have been like a a proper gut punch. And the easiest thing there is to to sort of struggle a bit the season after. We had that, didn't we, when we lost against um, Exeter in the playoffs? We mm. didn't really perform the following season that well, did we? But Northampton. The stats speak for themselves. They've been in the top three since the ninth game of the season. Yeah, yeah, which is incredible, really, to sort of be that consistent. Because, well, and, and Orient this season, they've been constantly in the top three. Because you know, throughout the season, there's normally a bit ups and downs. But yeah, they've been pretty consistent. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, it's strange. Like it's almost like we just haven't noticed them. We've kind of just sort of accepted, oh, they're up there. They're mm. up there. They're staying up there. No one's been like, oh, they're going to drop out. It's kind of been like a, yeah, just you know, just just the way it is, isn't it? So, yeah, it, it, brilliant season they're having. Um, when you look at the the work they've done in January, they didn't lose a single player. Mm. Every single player stayed. They've added five or six, sorry, six players in. Some interesting, unusual signings there. There isn't there. I think the loan signings in particular is a couple of interesting ones there. Tete Yengi from Ipswich, but Dimaggio Wright Phillips. Now that name sounds familiar, doesn't it, Mike? <laughs> How many Wright Phillipses are there? Well, this is obviously Sean's son. So yeah, ten. that's of Ian's grandson. Exactly, which is like, <laughs> quite remarkable, isn't it, when you think about it? You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it makes me feel older because I, you know, I can remember that famous game, Man U Arsenal, where Wright and uh, Schmeichel burst the ball when they both went to kick it, didn't they? You know, mm. The fights they used to have on the pitches. It's ridiculous, but he's not featured that much. I think there's a big expectation for him, but he's not been quite as big a star as I think they'd hoped. I think he's been used a bit sparingly from the bench. Tom King from Salford's a decent backup goalkeeper to bring in, though, isn't it? You know, when, you, when you're in the running and you've mm-hmm. they've got a very good keeper in Lee Burge that they signed in the summer. We were reported he was one of our potential targets alongside Holy in the summer. Um, but yeah, I think Will uh, Hondermark 
from Barnsley is the one that's really impressed, and he scored a wonder goal for them at the weekend against Gillingham. Like, if you've seen this goal, no, no, brilliant strike from about twenty-five yards on the angle, right into the top corner. Really, really good goal. What, what exactly what they needed in that game? But then there's a couple of interesting ones. Paul Asu, who was unattached, I think he was at Wimbledon last season. He's signed for the, like the remaining few weeks of the season. And David Norman Jr. from Cavalry FC in Canada, he signed on a free transfer as well. A former Vancouver Whitecaps player. Um, yeah, it, I just look at this squad, and I think actually of all the squads I see in the division, it's probably the most consistent looking and the most solid looking, isn't it? Really? Yeah, definitely. Who, and we that? said that in pre-season as well. Yeah, but I think we all looked and thought, yeah, well, actually, it's quite good. I mean, they mm. lost Fraser Horsfall in the summer, and that must have been a big blow him, him going to Stockport. But actually, they've they've been, still been very pretty solid defensively, haven't they? When you look at it, well, I think it was uh, John Guthrie was in. League Two Team of the Year last season, I think. Mm. I don't think Horsfall was. So I think uh, keeping hold of Guthrie was uh, was important for them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously they added Danny Hilton in the summer, but he hasn't done as well as I maybe thought he would. No, I, th- I think all of us thought he would be one of the best players. I think mm. we all in that prediction were talking about, like, that is, you know, that's a signing that says, yep, they're intent on going up this mm. season. He's played 16 times, and I don't want to say this, but he hasn't scored yet. <laughs> um, I, I, I apologise profusely in advance for the goal that he's going to score at the weekend. Now, as a result of me saying that, but mm. um, but yeah, it's 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 a very odd one, isn't it? Really, with him, mm. it, it's. I think he's had bad injuries. I think that's one of the problems. And at his age, it's going to take him a bit longer to recover from an injury as well. But I imagine now he's fit. They're hoping he can maybe make an impact in the running as well and be that kind of experienced head that they need in there. Mm. And I'm I'm no doubt he's going to be acting the shit house this weekend. He always does against us. It's frustrating. Yeah. And he's a great player, to be fair. There's no doubt about that. A really good striker at this level. But interesting to see how he does. Sam Hoskins is the big star in there, you think, isn't mm. he? With yeah. 20 goals from the wing this season. Really impressive. I mean, I, I think the way that they play, the, the central striker isn't really the main man in the team anyway. No. It's kind of, they've got players coming off him. You know, you've got Mitch Pinnock, who was brilliant last season. I was really, really impressed with him. Um, he, he he's really impressed, and uh, yeah, it, it kind of just feels like the players play off the central striker, don't they? And mm. as a result, Hoskins has really benefited for that. You know, he's having the, the season of his life essentially, and yeah, it's weird. We're looking through it, and they let a lot of players go the same, and they only lost three players otherwise, which were Paul Lewis back to Tranmere, and that's not worked out for him. Liam Roberts, who went to Middlesbrough, you know, keepers, you know, do really mm. well. They're going to go to a high level, and as you mentioned, Hawthorne. Because they've been able to keep hold of what they really wanted, they've just added quality around it, haven't they? And, and, mm. and that's really what's pushed them up there. And, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, other, other ones about Sam Shering from um, from Bournemouth as well as another good player as well. I think he, he can make it a big impact. And Ben Fox actually from Grimsby is one we haven't mentioned. And I was, re- I mean, it's interesting. The Grimsby fans weren't that sure in him. I think like last season mm. they felt like he he only turned it on for the playoff games, but. Those playoff games I saw for Grimsby, he looked one of the best players in the pitch in each game. So, mm. yeah. And I've just... co- I've, well, I was just, I was just going to say, we're going to mention as well, Jack Sowerby. Yes, Jack Sowerby. Obviously, he's been mm. there for a few years now. He's a really big popular. But I think he signed a, a new contract earlier this season. You know, he's someone they really like. And uh, mm. I think actually the weekend, he had to play the second half at centre-back mm. against Gillian Because they are, as we'll get on to now, I probably will have discussed this by now. You'll have heard it with uh, the chat with Charles. They've had a really... They're basically getting the number of injuries that we had for most of the season mm. for the running, and as a result, they're a bit struggling defensively mm. in terms of the, the players they got in there. It was a, 
um, is it Harvey Linnett? I think it is. Um, just double check. Yeah, Harvey Linnett. He came off at half time against Gillingham, and it was um, it was Salby that replaced him. And I think Salby had to slot in at centre back basically for the rest of the game. So they're kind of like a little bit down to the bare bones, I think, in terms of defensive players, especially. So there's kind of a feeling like if we can get at them at this weekend, we could get something from this game. Yeah. Every chance we can get, we can get the, the, the results. So it's kind of ones where you look and you think, I'm saying all this. And, and, and when you get onto the overall form, Northampton are currently second in the last six games form table. Mm. You know, we have a record of 1-1-1, one, 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 drawn, loss, one. Obviously, that loss being the 3 0 loss at Newport County. Mm. United are currently actually 15th in the form table now with a record of drawn, drawn, loss, loss, one drawn. Mm. So it's weird. We've only lost two of our last six, but it's just because we're not getting the goals at the moment. Yeah. There's only been four goals in our games since. Um, since then. In fact, no, it's three goals, isn't it, actually? No, it's not mm. yet. It's four because we scored two against Trummer. Apologies. Yeah, so it, 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 there's one for you as well, Mike, looking ahead again. Who's top of the form table right now? Um, is it, is it Orient? No, Stockport. No, Stockport. Of course it's Stockport. <laughs> so the next two games, we've basically got mm. second and first in the form. Yeah. If we can get results in those games, we've it, it, it'll be incredible. I think generally mm. that'll be like, yeah, we are contenders now for that. Yeah. That top spot. It's, it's, it's fascinating, isn't it? Um, yeah. So, um, well, as, as I mentioned earlier, we've only beat them once in the last nine meetings and that was that 2-1 win. Um, Obviously, actually, sorry, uh, the, the last one before that, sorry, was the 2-1 win last season. I should apologize. I said earlier we haven't beaten them in the last nine. We've beaten them once in the last nine is what I meant. Mm. So that's going to sound really stupid now. People listening back and get, listening to that bit are going to go, but we beat them 2-1 last season. <laughs> so, <laughs> apologies. I, I've, I've, I've written it down wrong here. That, that's my fault. I do mm. apologize. Uh, well, let's talk about United then, Mike. Um, yeah, injury-wise, obviously, it looks like Jack Ellis is probably out for the season now, doesn't it? Um, we know, obviously, that... Morgan Feeney and Finn back. At, it sounds like one of them might be back. I think was it Feeney maybe would be back for possibly for the playoffs if we really needed them. Yeah, I, think I can't so. remember which one. It might have been back, might be the one, but one of them I think but possibly. You'd imagine if Ellis has done his hamstring, that's probably is him out for the season now. Annoyingly, um, we might have Brennan Dickinson back as an option soon <laughs> for mm. the playoffs. Possibly, it's it's getting close. Toby's not going to be back for the end of the season, is he? Um, Taylor Charters is pretty much up to full speed now, so hopefully maybe. Maybe for the midweek game next week, he might be back. We we're recording this well before Simo's uh, thing. Mm. Wednesday, we're recording this, so we don't know. Ah, oh, this is a huge game, isn't it, Mike? Massive, yeah. Um, and I, I kind of think that Northampton just won't want to lose. Yeah. You know, and there might be a little bit of a repeat of uh, kind of the Stevenage game a bit, but hopefully, you know, we're more prepared for it this time. And given their injuries, we can really put a dent in their promotion hopes while, uh, you know, giving our promotion hopes a bit of a, a kick. I think you're right, because actually when you look at it, we're obviously um, playing at the weekend. If they draw, they I don't think anyone can go ahead of them, whatever happens. I don't think mm. actually when you look at the table. Um, I'm just trying to load it up now because it's all disappeared on my screen. Um, yeah, so basically if they draw, they remain in um, in second place. Now, yes, potentially uh, Stevenage can catch up on them with the games in hand but they'll be happy with that because they look at their next couple of games they're away at Sutton and they're home against Harrogate mm. imagine Harrogate they'll be looking to get something because then actually after that they've got Bradford at home which looks a huge game as well because Bradford by that point might be closing them down 
And then the final day of the season, they're away at Tranmere, a game they'd probably be looking to win, I'd imagine. But then, you know, we repeat to last season, they probably want it wrapped up before then, don't they? Mm. So I, I think you're right. I'm not saying they're going to come and play for a draw, but I think they're going to be they're going to be smart enough to know, let's not take any unnecessary risks here. Yeah. You know, we, we, we've got to make sure we're potentially still in it come the end of the game. Because if we beat them, suddenly they're like, right, we need to get results against Sutton and not and Harrogate now. Yeah, yeah before we play Bradford. So, yeah, it's going to be a tough one for them. Um, team selection this one, Mike. What, what, what are we going for? So, obviously, there's got to be a change at right wing back. Senior seems the obvious choice to me. Yeah, um, I think I'd think i go with that. I think Gibson's just too much of a risk against a side as good as Northampton, mm. especially with someone like Mitch Pinnock playing down the left for them. I think, you know, you've, you've got to get a hold of him early. I know he can probably play on the right as well, so it might even be Hoskins. So you probably want somebody who's more of a defender there. There is one other option possibly, though, isn't there? Because obviously Ben Barkley is not going to be able to play against Stockport in the midweek, mm. centre-back. You could put Ben Barkley at right wing-back, which also adds a little bit of height to that position as well, in that sense, mm. you know, going forward in terms of long balls and stuff like that, and put Whelan in at right centre-back. If I would, to I would just in. go with senior personally. You stick with senior. Yeah, I think I'd agree with you, but that, I, I just looking out there, I think obviously Barkley's played a couple of games at right wing back this season. One of the games he looked very good; the other he didn't look quite as comfortable. But it's an option; it's a potential option. Mm. Midfield, um, the same three play both games against uh, in, the, in the games over Easter. Does it need to be freshened up? I, I feel like it does now. I feel like I'd like to see. So- I think yeah. McCarman's a great player, I really do, and I'd love to see him with us next season. But I feel like we're missing just some, a little bit of something, a little bit of a nous in there. That's why the question is whether you want to put Gibson in there so you can switch to a four, three four three at times, or do you want to put Devitt in there just for someone who's a bit better on the ball? I'd I'd maybe go with Devitt. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think you know he, he looked really good uh, off the bench against Tranmere against Walsall he didn't really get the ball enough um, a couple of times he did he, he, he played it really well didn't he so. yeah yeah um, yeah and, and you know it's it's a big game and you need experienced heads in big games as well yeah um, attack stick again with Dennis and Patrick I, I would yeah um, I think as well if they're if they've got a bit of a makeshift defence I think Dennis will find little holes in there that he can he can get in. And, and Patrick, if you can get him on the ball and get him running at play, especially if you've got a good crowd behind him, he yeah, can really make an impact. Um, in terms of uh, um, subs, obviously, if senior comes in, do you change anything on the subs bench? Stick where it is. I think you stick at the moment. Yeah, pretty much stick with with what we've got. Um, J.K. Gone still missing out at the moment. There's you know. There's just there's been no real mention of it. I don't know if there's an issue there or something, but it's yeah. a very strange one, doesn't it? But I don't know. But they, you know, Edmondson is a cracking player to bring it off the bench and, and Garner exactly. is as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh right, predictions time, Mike. Um so the points totals have gone up one for each of us because we all predicted Dennis <laughs> score against um against Tranmere. And obviously once again none of us went for a nil nil draw. I think one of us should maybe try that for the stockbook game and see what happens, you know. <laughs> um right, what are you going for? Um, I'm going to go for a 2-0 win and I'll go for Dennis and Patrick. Dennis and Patrick, okay. I'm going to go... Oh, I still think Northampton will score. I'm going to go 2-1 and I'm going to go for goals for Dennis and... Uh, Huntington. Dennis and Huntington. Right, here's Dan's prediction. 
I'm going to go for a solid 3-1 home win with goals from Christian Dennis, uh, Owen Moxon and Paul Huntington. Oh, for crying out loud. <laughs> two of my goal scorers there. So I, I'm not gaining anything unless it's a 2-1 win. I'm not gaining anything. I'm not pushing ahead. What a swine. There you go. Uh, obviously, he didn't know what I was going to pick, so just, just look <laughs> on the draw, I guess, there. Anyway. Right, X-Fall section, Mike. Um... Plenty to cover over the weekend, wasn't there? It looked like it was yeah. going to be quiet at one point because Dan had only picked out three things. But then obviously the games are sort of split. The Scottish games are played on the Saturday, aren't they? So a bit mm. of a mix there. Um, first up, the Good Friday and weekend games. Uh, Regan Slater, he scored a goal for Hull City in their, quite frankly, remarkable 4-4 draw at Sunderland on Good Friday. Did mm. you see any of this? No, no. What an utterly ridiculous game. It was on live on Sky. I saw bits of it later on, but... Absolutely ridiculous. Don't really hear from Regan much this off these days, do we? So nice to hear a goal from him. Uh, Jack Stratton, he got his first goal for Stockport County in their 1-0 win at Sutton United. I'm uh, glad that he's got his first goal because if we were playing against Stockport and he hadn't scored for them yet. Well, you say that. We'll wait till we talk about the Eastern Wonder games. Um, Jack Bridge, he's getting a few at the moment. He scored for Southern United as they beat Maidstone United 2-0. Uh, James Tavernier, he uh, scored twice for Rangers. But they lost the old firm derby 3-2. I know that'll divide quite a lot of our fan base because I'm sure there's plenty who like Celtic and plenty who like Rangers. So uh, I'm guessing that's possibly the reason why Dan's not on this week, maybe. He didn't <laughs> want to talk about that because he had to mention it in the XL section. But no, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's uh, he's gutted. But, uh, but there you go. Um, yes, uh, Luis, Luis Alessandra, he scored for the winner. Uh, it was a late winner as well for South Shields in their 3-2 victory over at Nantwich Town. And uh, we mentioned obviously earlier we were going to talk about the Workington game again, but David Symington scored four times for in Workington's 5-0 win over fellow playoff hopefuls Witten Albion. I mean, that's a big confidence booster for Workington, isn't it, going into the playoffs? Yeah. To beat one of the teams that... Are, I don't know if they've dropped out of it now, potentially, but, you know, to, to beat the team that's in and around you there, really, really big positive for them. So, uh, fantastic stuff. Um, right, on to the Easter Monday games. Brad Potts. Now, he got a very, very dramatic late goal for Preston as they beat Reading 2-1, thanks to his 92nd-minute winner. And they're now just on the cusp of the playoffs in the Championship. It's really interesting. The Championship playoffs, potentially, you could have Luton, Millwall and Preston all in there with Middlesbrough. Mm. It'd be nice to have a new team in there, wouldn't it, really? Well, I noticed as well, a little fact, is if Luton go up, uh, Perry Ruddock and Panzu, who plays for them, could be the first player to play in all four of the top English divisions. Uh, no, all five. All I think. five, yes, including the National League. Um, yeah. For the same club. Yes, exactly, which would be re- brilliant. Absolutely brilliant if that could mm. happen. But there you go. Uh, Ryan Bowman, he was sent off for Shrewsbury Town as they lost 2 1 at Barnsley. I don't know if this is one of those after the final whistle ones because it was the 99th minute red card in the 2 1 defeat. So it might be one of those ones where he said something to the ref after the game. Um,. Andy Cook, uh, he scored again for Bradford in their 3-1 win over Sutton United. He's going to be League 2 top scorer now, isn't he, I think, sadly. Mm. I think uh, Deno's chances have gone on that one. I mentioned, keep an eye out for this one, Mike. Jack Stretton, he made it two goals in two games as he helped Stockport to a 4-0 win over Newport County. Uh, you know mm. what's going to happen. Hayden White, we've mentioned earlier, he was sent off against United. Uh, this was the most dramatic moment of the weekend, though, wasn't it? Kedwin mm-hmm. Scott. He missed the chance to equalise with the last kick of the game as Ben Foster saved his penalty and not count his 3-2 defeat at Wrexham. They're 
I have to like say, it. though, is I saw this on Ben Foster's YouTube channel, yeah. and he had, like, cameras all over the ground. Yeah, yeah. The limbs for that penalty save were not what I thought they'd be. Yeah, I, I thought he'd be a little bit more mental, but it was kind of yeah. like a little bit tame, wasn't it? It was just a bit of a shock. I guess it's, there's a lot of bandwagon jumper on us there, so they don't really uh, yeah. really get it. Yeah, well, there you go. Um, promotion and relegation. This has got to the stage of season where we can start covering these bits. Um, Lewis Alessandra, Gary Liddell, Martin Smith and Dylan Morse were all promoted to the National League North with South Shields. Uh, fantastic of all ex-Blues there. Dylan Morse was obviously a youth... Did, did Dylan Morse get a pro deal? I can't remember if he did. I think he might have done I don't actually. think so. I'm not 100% on that one. But yeah, so fantastic news for all four of those. Uh, but Richie Bennett uh, was relegated to the National League North during his loan spell at Scunthorpe. You know, it's a bit harsh to say that he's been relegated those mm-hmm. because he's going back to Barrow at the end of the season. So so there you go. In terms of the other news, obviously mentioned Andy Cook got nominated for EFL League Two Player of the Season. But also Mark Ellis, he hit the 500 appearance uh, milestone for his career uh, while playing for York City over the weekend. So fantastic news from Mark Weldon to him. Yeah. Um, and that's it, Mike, isn't it, I think? Yeah. Nothing else to cover this week. I, I, I said we were going to keep it short. And I've not even added in the opposition chat yet, but and it's on 88 minutes. So I do apologise, everyone. <laughs> but that's what happens when you have to cover two games. Hopefully this weekend won't be too bad because we'll only be reviewing the Northampton game, depending on what happens in it, obviously, and we'll be previewing the Stockport game. So so there you go. But um, yeah, Mike, uh, only one more game left for you this season, isn't there? Unless we get to the playoff final. Yeah, just, uh, just the... Uh... Salford home game, that's it for me. Yeah, I have the funny feeling we weren't wrapped up promotion by then as well. Either, no, so, it's uh, not going to happen, is it? It's going down to the last game. I've, yeah, I've of course it is. Absolutely no doubt about that. So hopefully, hopefully we're still in contention at that point. That's the that's the dream, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, thanks, Mike, for joining me. And up the blues. Up the blues. Up the blues.